Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Episode 400, boys. Wow. 400. 400. That's 600, maybe 650 hours of just... Last podcast on the left. Good Lord. Think about that. Side stories. We've been doing that for almost two years now. Good God. Right? It's like another 100 hours. You're talking, we have almost 800 hours of content. Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's good for the world or not, but we're still doing <laughs> we it. 800 hey. and, you, and you know what it took? It took 850 hours of last podcast and left to me for me to finally hone uh-oh. My abilities Uh-oh. to get myself so tight, so ready to perform, so on the ball, so clever that I'll deliver the, the first joke of the, the episode 400, which is, uh, it's a shame that JFK got those neckties from Target. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. You know what? We're actually done with, we're done with the series before even, I haven't even introduced what show this is yet. Welcome to the last podcast of the left ever one. I am Ben Kissel, staring at the beautiful face of Marcus Parks. That's me. And then we've got just a showman extraordinaire, Henry Zabrowski. One of the sharpest comic minds of the 21st century. Sadly, that's true. Fart? <laughs> I feel really it. good today. I feel really tight. I am I am the Bob Hope of this chair. <laughs> Indeed you are. And much like Bob Hope, the troops love you. Yeah. All right. Well, why did Henry bring up JFK? Episode 400. You probably guessed it at this point. We've got a mind-blowing series for you ahead. We are talking JFK. It's finally time. It's, it's finally time. time. And I actually, you know, it's I time. Told- I've seen his brains explode <laughs> so much in the last like 10 days. I, I do. I said I had a theory before the show started and Marcus said, yeah, get it out quick, Kissel. <laughs> so I don't, after you guys hear this, I don't think we even need to do this series anymore. Uh-huh. Who, oh, okay. assassinated, who assassinated JFK? Hmm. It was suicide. You think about it. You think about it. JFK, he was done being president. The Russians hated yep. him. The Italian mob wanted him dead. His mm-hmm. wife hated him because Jackie was just staring at him being like, you're having sex with all of these celebrities. His yep. back hurt. JFK, he had a gun in his mm-hmm. hand. Boom, 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 boom. boom. And JFK boom. set up Lee Harvey Oswald to take the <laughs> fall so that Lee Harvey Oswald could take the fall so JFK didn't look like someone who would commit suicide in the eyes of the public. The only way this... That would be more perfect as if we were sponsored by Ziploc. And you could just hear the sound of it zip. And we're like, that's it. 
Case closed. Airtight. Case closed. It was suicide. I thought you were going for the direction that JFK was asking for, driving around in a convertible. Strangely enough, I did do some research on the car, Marcus. Uh-huh. And do you know that car? They just brought it in. They gave it a new paint job. They put the top on it immediately. Then Nixon rode around in it. LBA, <laughs> LBJ rode around in it. It lasted until Carter. And I'm like, can't you just get a new car? But I have no idea why I did research on the car, but I did. <laughs> Now, the assassination of JFK is, when you really get down to it, the tale of two stories. Mm. The first is the story of a crime, plain and simple, quite possibly the most famous crime of the 20th century. On November 22, 1963, the President of the United States, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was murdered by an assassin's bullet while riding in the back seat of an open-top limousine as his motorcade drove through Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. Now, as far as what everyone can agree upon when it comes to November 22nd, 1963, that statement of facts is pretty much where it stops. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, That's not good. The car had four wheels, and we're done agreeing. I know that there was two shadow wheels, and the other person who knew that was the man himself, Lee Oswald. They say the term Lee Oswald is said, I think, approximately... Nine million times in every single documentary I've seen. They never say Harvey. As far as where the shots came from, who pulled the trigger, what the motivations were, or even how many shots were fired, it's all up for heavy debate. Jeez. And that brings us to the second story of the JFK assassination. The creation of modern conspiracy thought born from a muddled explanation of the event from the United States government. Much of this muddling has to do with the Warren Commission, which was supposed to be the government's end-all be-all when it came to providing a full explanation to the public as far as means, motive, and opportunity went. Wait a second, you're telling me the government made it more confusing when they released all of their findings? It did sort of feel like the equivalent of putting a banana peel in a paper bag and just farting on top of it and just giving it to America, being like, we, we did it, we did it. Unfortunately, though, the Warren Commission was full of glaring omissions and useless material. But perhaps its most glaring flaw is that the conclusions it reached are exceedingly unsatisfying. As such, it created the largest conspiracy vacuum of all time. So what if we just have Stephen King write the ending to our report? You know, don't really tie up all the loose ends. Actually, I've got a great idea. What we'll do is, because there's one woman on the Warren Commission, right? And we have her be at the center of this kind of circle of big men. Right? And, uh-huh. and his sewer system, they being chased by a clown, right? The clown is Lee Harvey. Uh-huh. We'll call him that. I say all these senators take term railing uh-huh. on that secretary, and we call it we call it a day. Oh, so Mr. King, you want to you want a gangbang to end the Warren report? Is that right? When you repeat it back, it doesn't sound as good. <laughs> well, to put it into perspective, over two thousand books have been written about the JFK assassination, blaming everyone from the CIA to the Italian Mafia to rogue Cuban exiles, and in some cases, all three and more at the same time. There, there is no really way, I, I actually don't know if you can put it into words just how complicated the JFK assassination conspiracy gets, and just how much material has been devoted to it in the last, how many years has been? It's almost it's like an over 60 years? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Is it 60 years? It's like 50. 
Oh, <laughs> but it, it's like it's close to sixty years. But it, all of this just come, and the way that Marcus described it uh, too, which is uh, it kind of sticks with me, is that this is an example of name salad. Every one of these conspiracies, as as we'll get to later in our series, you'll see that it's name after name after place and date. It is kind of where you see the the meme of Charlie Day, like the, the, the concept, the idea, the memification of a conspiracy theorist with the whiteboard and all the yarn right. connecting all the people to the shit. This is the egg that all that kind of came out of, and it makes it exceedingly difficult to read. Anything about it. Yeah. Cue up Avril Lavigne's complicated, <laughs> because that's what this is about to get. Now, we're going to cover as many of these conspiracies as we can in the latter half of our series. And while it's impossible to cover every single one, we're certainly going to do our best to talk about everyone's favorite theories. Mm. Now, the government line is that John F. Kennedy was murdered by a radical leftist named Lee Harvey Oswald, often referred to as a lone nut by the news media, writers, and other various commentators. That's how everyone describes Oswald as lone nut. Lone nut. <laughs> Sounds like the name of a masturbation magazine. <laughs> How sad that is. It's just a mirror. It's just the whole front. It's a reflective cover Lone Nut magazine where you just jerk off looking at yourself frowning. Yeah, just those horrible like self-mirrors they used to put on the back of the back of cereal boxes where you could see yourself eat Twix or eat uh, tricks for some reason. Now, I don't know about Ben, but there is a consensus here, at least between Henry and myself, that Lee Harvey Oswald is at least partially responsible for the death of John F. Kennedy. And we will eventually reveal what theory we think is most plausible. He got an assist. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. But before we get to that point, we're going to treat these episodes as we treated our Joseph Mengele series. The first three parts will be a story of crime and ultimately a criminal named Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm. See, Oswald has been portrayed over the years as everything from a CIA patsy to a CIA... I'm a patsy! I'm a patsy! <laughs> it's the best line in the world. And then I was re-watching a lot of the footage, obviously, of him being taken mm. from the interrogation room, out paraded in front of the reporters. And when he says, I'm a patsy, it's still deep inside. I go, he said it. <laughs> Look, he said it. My favorite thing about that footage is the poor camera people, the old men who are just like... <laughs> is he mo- so he's moving again. Okay. Yeah, he's been portrayed as everything from a CIA patsy to a CIA secret agent to a KGB operative working for the Russians from the very start. But from what we can surmise, Lee Harvey Oswald was nothing more than an antisocial misanthrope, or to put it inelegantly, a chronic dickhead. Ah, oh, yep. That's he a- had assholeitis. <laughs> yeah, that's a strange doctor's appointment right there. <laughs> Concerning Oswald's supposed ties to the intelligence community, I think this one quote from one of his few friends sums it up. He said, quote, I never would believe that any government would be stupid enough to trust Lee with anything important. And that's where I got you. <laughs> Every time. You just think I might be too stupid, but actually, I'm just stupid enough. Thank you so much for defending me, friend, but also, that was really me. <laughs> Now, famously, after Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested for the murder of the president, he shouted on camera to reporters that he was nothing more than a patsy. I'm a patsy! I'm a patsy! (laughs) And many conspiracy theorists took him at his word when he said this. What this statement actually revealed, though, was something much simpler. 
This was the wailing of a pitiful soul who spent his entire life blaming others for his own numerous failings and failures. Mm. But when it comes down to Lee Harvey Oswald's story, it's actually the story of three major crimes, two murders, and one very rarely reported assassination attempt that occurred months before November 22nd, 1963. There was an interesting quote from The Devil's Chessboard that was written by... David Talbot that called Lee Harvey Oswald. I thought there's a very interesting line. Lee Harvey Oswald was one of those bright, lost, fatherless boys whom society finds inventive ways of abusing. Mm. So uh, we're not going to hire you here at the bumper sticker company. Uh, it just doesn't fit. <laughs> no, no. I'll... Okay, well, listen to another one of my ideas. Uh-huh. Listen to another one. Okay. Grief is the wail of my love's last sleep. <laughs> what about something like ass, grass, or gas? No one rides for free. That's the kind All of bumper right. stick. Here's one I was saving for the end. How about just go, Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps the most remarkable thing about Lee Harvey Oswald is not how unique he is, but how similar his pathologies, beliefs, and demeanor is to so many other murderers we've covered over the years on this show. Because Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't just a murderer, he was also a domestic abuser, Mm. a fucking horrible one at that. Like, he was a bad fucking dude. Hmm. He was, I guess that upon re- re-dipping into the world of Lee Harvey Oswald because honestly I haven't read a lot about this shit since high school this is the story the JFK assassination which I think is very common for many of our listeners that's the story that got me into weirdo thought I was Mm -hmm. 15 I remember being like drawn to the JFK assassination conspiracy books in the occult section immediately reading about Lee Harvey Oswald but as you reread him at first because I remember in high school I was just like Fucking CIA's fucking the goddess by their puppet strings, man. And I'm still halfway there. Mm-hmm. But you now like, I so you were like a nerd macho man Randy Savage in high school? <laughs> <laughs> I That's think in very... high school you were like, yeah, I think in CIA. Um, <laughs> snap into an apple juice. <laughs> I was reading now about Lee Harvey Oswald. So first, when I remember first reading about him, you're like, oh, he's this sort of pitiful idiot that got pulled into deep to all these machinations of the CIA and then you really read the the details of Lee Harvey Oswald's life and he was a uh, incredibly violent man mm-hmm. and uh, a terror to his family to, from when he was a little kid yeah to an adult yeah well, Put simply, he was a pathetic, entitled, self-centered, contrarian jackass with a persecution complex and delusions of grandeur that led him down a road of crime that eventually ended in murder. Murder. Are we talking about Bono? Or... <laughs> <laughs> now, our main source for the Lee Harvey Oswald section of the story is Case Closed by Gerald Posner, who is coincidentally the same dude who wrote the main source we used for our Mengele series. Fantastic now- writer, Great researcher. And this dude, this is like our legit good boy source. Yes. Like, Case Closed <laughs> is the, this is the one that's like, yes, it has all the facts and all the correct timelines. I get it. It's the no fun book that we will come to and we will t- try to parse out the truth oh. later on, though. It's not we get to- no fun. I find it amazingly interesting and fun. No, I do, too. I, I, I you know, because we're... But we're Shh, Marcus, we're nerds. But I... <laughs> yeah, don't tell uh, anyone. Read. It's not until we get to my boy, 
my boy Jack Ruby. Uh-huh. When things start getting really complicated, we start reading some books that they took out of print. <laughs> I feel horrible for this guy. Posner is his name? Gerald Posner, yeah. Gerald Posner. He wrote the book, and he's like, case closed. <laughs> now, with this, everyone will know the truth. And then all of a sudden, someone's like, I heard Ben Kissel said it was suicide. It's like, okay, well, I guess the case has been reopened. I spent years telling everyone that he was just about to get a raise as president. He never would have committed suicide. But it, it is really sad. The the opening chapter to the newly revamped, like he, had, he did a re-release of Case Closed, and the whole beginning prologue is him just being like, this case has ruined my life. Um, uh, people have hunted me at my home. People have surrounded my family at the mall, yelling, you don't know the truth! You don't know the truth! And it's like, man, it was fucking 60 years ago. Yeah, my God. But you know, that is an interesting point, though. That, that is how powerful this is. Yeah. 60 years ago, and the emotions are still so fresh, and people are still so passionate about it. There's really nothing in history where people will still start screaming after four coors at a bar about JFK <laughs> as if it was 1970. I'm going to put the Holocaust up there. I'm going to, that's a big one. And that one time that wide receiver from the, the Giants caught the ball on his helmet. Those are two big parts of history that people are very emotional about. Absolutely. Now, admittedly, there are a few inaccuracies in Posner's book, but those inaccuracies are the sorts of mistakes made in any historical account, as I have yet to read a history book that doesn't get at least a few details wrong. You know, like the books that we read on the Donner Party, on Bonnie and Clyde, on Jonestown, on Rasputin, all of them have contradictions and all of them have little mistakes because it's impossible to get everything right. And also, we don't know exactly what happened in every single fucking situation. I don't even know if there is objective reality. Marcus, <laughs> let's start there. Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to something as contentious as the JFK assassination, some people use small mistakes to either discredit the entire thesis or use those mistakes to claim further conspiracy with the powers that be, mm. particularly the CIA. Misinformation versus disinformation. And that's one of the interesting things about the JFK assassination. Having the opinion that there was not a gigantic conspiracy within the government to murder the president is actually somewhat taboo. Mm -hmm. But I think this de facto assumption hides something important. And it's something that the CIA wants hidden. See, the CIA likes the world to think that they are an omniscient, lethally clever, all-encompassing, infallible beast with tentacles that can and do reach and control every corner of this earth. Well, because it benefits them and us in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Even though Mm -hmm. I do not agree with the CIA, them having a position of untold mysterious power sort of works from their perspective as a way to deter people working against America, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking that, oh, we can't go against the CIA. They'll kill their own fucking president (laughs) to change shit. And it's like, I I just looked up, I just typed in the words, what are the CIA doing right now into Google? (laughs) And they started to Instagram, but they are they are killing a bunch of people in Afghanistan, apparently. Yeah. Of course. But the so-called deep state did not exist in the 60s any more than it exists today. Although it is interesting that many people who argue for the deep state's involvement in the Kennedy assassination will completely dismiss the claim that it still exists as ridiculous. Hmm. Now, I do believe that there was a CIA cover-up when it comes to Lee Harvey Oswald, but I don't think that it was a cover-up to hide their involvement. Rather, it was a cover-up to hide their lack 
of involvement. Mm. Fucking eat that, you piece of shit. Think about that. Roll that around your fucking head for a second. Live Marcus's life. His whole life of doubt. His of shadows and, and mysteries and, and yelling at his poor, poor wife. How many, uh, obviously, we uh, in-depth research, there's been a lot of work done on this episode, and this series will uh, definitely entail a lot of detail. Um, how many pickles did you eat during the research process? I mean, I just want the audience to get a sense of how deep we're about to go. Are we talking three jars of pickles, or are we talking six Vlasics? I'm going to say four cheeseburgers. Holy crap. You ate, you ate meat? A, you ate I thought you and Carolina share a cheeseburger a day. <laughs> no, no. I actually am not as unhealthy as you people think I am. I'm fine. You people? Okay. You people. <laughs> wow. Wow. I ate, a, I ate a, a fair amount of hobnobs, all right? <laughs> you don't got to tell me. Just like, it's just something about how, like, if you we had been doing this series like 10 years ago, it would have been you... Fucking sucking down whiskey, like same thing the way we used to. Reach, just like chain smoking cigarettes, like <laughs> reading microfiche, and like now it's you on a standing desk eating hobnobs and but typing with the wrist guards. Oh, <laughs> I I have to start using wrist guards. Yeah, well, I have to protect myself from carpal tunnel. It's of starting course. to set in. Absolutely. Well, over the years, the CIA and the FBI have wasted a bevy of resources on harassing and monitoring people who weren't dangerous. Peaceful agitators like Martin Luther King or harmless intellectuals who just had some curiosity towards communism at one point in their life. Meanwhile, people like Timothy McVeigh and his entire network of white supremacists, the 9-11 hijackers, and of course, Lee Harvey Oswald end up slipping through the cracks and therefore are able to change the course of American history. Mm. See, the American intelligence community, just like every other organization, is staffed by regular people. And regular people fuck up and make bad decisions every second of every day. No, no, Marcus. It's the Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> are you not understanding the acronym? They're brilliant minds. No way could they fail. <laughs> But if the all-powerful CIA is shown to sometimes be incompetent and fallible when it comes to saving American lives, then they lose what makes them powerful in the first place, the belief that they are capable of anything. Mm. I think it does pop a lot of people's balloons, though, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Where the concept of the CIA, you shine a light into it, where it's just an office where people work and they are government workers. They are cops, technically, and spies, and they do work for the U.S. government, but they are not the shadowy world that used to be. It, it's not like the, the kind of untold power they had during the OSS days, during the fucking Vander, like Bush, the old, old baddies, the old dudes, and how they kind of, they did have more involvement centrally in our government. And so it's, it's hard because people want that villain. Mm -hmm. They want it so much. It's, it's nice to have. It's almost comforting to think that there is this capable organization that is both we can never understand because again it's a sign that things are under control and not total chaos mm -hmm. well the way uh gerald posner put it uh is when you put the weight of jfk versus the weight of lee harvey oswald just two men you put them against each other as just two men the scales don't balance right life is not fair life is just it's one of those where it shows that the little dweeb can take out the most powerful person in the world. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, though, for every one person that slips through the CIA's net, a thousand are stopped. I mean, there's a reason why we haven't had a major international terrorist attack in almost 20 years. But infallible, the CIA is not. 
However, that's not to say that the CIA and many other organizations didn't want John F. Kennedy dead. Mm. The CIA itself, the military-industrial complex, right-wing extremists, left-wing extremists, the mob, and even his own vice president, Lyndon Johnson, all had reasons to rejoice in JFK's death. This is why JFK needed to bring everyone together and just say the sentence, I know I've angered a lot of you. <laughs> and, and just try to bring them in. He just needed, oh, he one, wants, you they needed that, one trip to Margaritaville, and all of this could have been done and saved. Do you think JFK should do a Ben Kissel HR trip? Yes. Where he just is like, let's get all the apologies done in one evening. But for somebody that was banging all of these actresses that he was, I mean, I guess that was a part of it. He straight up had... So many enemies. So many. And then when he went into Dallas, he went into one of the most dangerous places in the world for him. It's amazing. He had all of these forces trying to kill him, and the one that got through, or at least partially got through, (sighs) was this little nothing dweeb. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into it, but it would have been a good day to have a roof on (laughs) the car, but I'm sure we'll discuss it. Well, we absolutely will. Now, if I could compare Lee Harvey Oswald to anyone in history, I'd compare him to someone like Rasputin. Really? Yeah. As we said in the series about Rasputin, he began his life as a simple Russian peasant, but eventually rose to such a level of power and influence in the Tsar's court that the world would be an entirely different place had he never existed. Mm. Lee Harvey Oswald is much the same type of figure. Of course, not a power broker and not in a position of influence, but the fate of the entire world hinges on November 22nd, 1963, in ways we can't even imagine. Also, there's no way he had a ding-dong the size of Rasputin's. It would have thrown <laughs> off his... He wouldn't have been able to aim. It would have thrown off his entire gravitational structure. It would. It, there's no way he could have done it with a ding-dong the size of Rasputin's. No, he had a tinier penis, so it got harder. Yeah. <laughs> That's true for tinier penises. They get harder than I, big penises. Uh-huh. I've seen different documents, and uh, big ones get just fine. Just hard, <laughs> hard, just fine. So whatever. It takes excuse- them a while, though. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, had Kennedy not been killed that day, the world would be a fantastically different place. At the very least, Kennedy surviving that day in Dallas means no escalation in Vietnam and no Watergate. And without these two massive fuck ups. American politics would be a much different scene than what we're putting up with today. He was at least planning to roll back out of Vietnam. That was one of his his one of his main tenets, I believe, that he was going to try and get us out of there, which would have changed everything. And no Watergate, no Forrest Gump. <laughs> yep, and of course that hotel wouldn't have all the cool like punny things about Richard yes. Nixon. Whenever you go to the Watergate <laughs> yes. Hotel, which is awesome in Washington D.C. By the way, they've always been very good to us, but. I also have the inverse. Do we get the 65 uh, Civil Rights Act? Do we get the Voting Rights Act? Do we get those progressive legislations that Hmm. that Kennedy had pushed forward um, without his death? Because that was sort of the consolation prize for LBJ. I would argue that the anger and betrayal felt over the Vietnam War and Watergate, it just disappears. And maybe, just maybe, the country focuses more on civil rights because we're not pissed off about everything else. The country is much more united. It's nowhere near as divided. And perhaps more things get done and we would be in a better place now than we are today. Well, we definitely have a lot better car practice because the back on JFK was so horrible he would have perfected... (laughs) 
<laughs> you would have perfected it. I also wonder if this was a massive lesson to the United States of America that taught us that negative chaos allows for the government to actually obtain a lot more control. Mm-hmm. That when you throw everybody in a mm-hmm. tizzy and everybody's just, I mean, when you're so mad at the president, it's I, I don't want to bring this to Dune. But a part of God Emperor of Dune, the whole thing is that you got to create a, a, a villain in order to create peace, right? You create a localized, everybody hates this person, so you create this kind of static order around everybody else because you're directing their fury up to the top, where Nixon helped do that, right? Where it helped create this kind of divide between the people and the and the state, but they also use that too the the it's it, it's all fucked up <laughs> i cannot believe you brought dune into this i, I <laughs> just honestly, i will get to it i'm in book now, five i'm almost done now I'm i have to done. bring up the thing that i always bring up which is the big lebowski where it's just like jeffrey where jeffrey lebowski is just looking at, at uh walter and just be like what does this have to do with vietnam walter what does it have to do with vietnam big lebowski doesn't exist that character doesn't exist that's the thing man Art is different. Movies are different. Music in particular. CCR? With CCR? Well, I mean, yeah, they're still around, but, but you don't gonna... have Fortunate Son. I mean, that's the thing. Without the anger of the uh... Vietnam War, you don't have the Stooges. You don't have Suicide. You don't have fucking punk. I'm you know, gonna... like you don't. There's so much that happens because of these events. And there's right. so many ripples that happen from November 22nd, 1963, that it actually kind of makes Lee Harvey Oswald one of the most consequential figures in American history. I, I want us to continue, and I'm sorry, but I do just have to. I'm going to put my I'm going to put my weird cap on. Was Vietnam worth it for CCR, <laughs> the band, some of the greatest protest, Neil Young, some of the pr- greatest protest music of all time, the Iraq War. We had horrible songs. I mean, that was all <laughs> horrible. Again, song. bad Neil Young songs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But Vietnam, man, Rockin' in the Free World's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> Would you give up a- Apocalypse Now? I mean, you name it. It is my favorite movie. You just sound like the man that created the pet rock Arguing for <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> no, I'm not saying we would be in a utopian society, nor am I arguing that John F. Kennedy was some sort of saint or some sort of savior. Because we'll get into his many failings and the possibility of him even losing the 1964 election because of the CIA in episode three. But the fact remains that because of Lee Harvey Oswald, the world changed. And the story of how Oswald came to be in the sniper's nest that day is absolutely fucking fascinating. Awesome. So, without further ado, let's start our series on JFK by getting into the life story of one of the most pivotal and pitiful figures in American history, Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald! Oswald! (laughs) Lee Harvey Oswald was born in New Orleans in 1939 to a single mother. Single because Lee's father died of a heart attack two months before Lee was born. Mm. And naturally, this did not have a positive effect on his mother, Marguerite. See, even though conspiracy authors try to paint Marguerite as a loving, positive character, her other sons, besides Lee, paint a much different picture of the woman who raised the most infamous assassin of the 20th century. Lee's brother Robert described Marguerite as a domineering, controlling woman, high-strung and unable to accept the fact that her husband was dead. 
So scary coming home from school, seeing a bunch of your dad's old clothes on a broom, her just saying, see, see, he's still alive, see. <laughs> now, grief is understandable, but Marguerite completely abandoned her children and sent two of her sons to an orphanage following her husband's death, while the infant Lee was passed between her sister, housekeepers, and babysitters. That was until the age of three. By then... Lee was old enough to be shoved off to an orphanage as well. (gasps) (laughs) And he spent another year away from his mother before she pulled all the boys out of the orphanage in 1944 and moved them from New Orleans to Dallas. Okay. It sounded like Marguerite was a very classic narcissist. Yeah. Where she was so wrapped up in her own grief and her own story. Because as she will upload her feelings of insecurity and slash superiority to Lee as Mm. he grows up where she believed that she was supposed to be some other character in another important chapter of the world like she she thought that she was this special lady and now she's like stuck in this thing and this this narrative of being poor with all these kids didn't fit with the way she viewed her life so she just got rid of the kids sounds like a family structure that uh, it's similar to a vodka Red Bull (laughs) You've got your insecurity mixed right there with all the security in the world. Hey, kids, you ever been raised by a vodka Red Bull? (laughs) I tell you what, I'm great for 15 minutes, but then I am vomiting. (laughs) Well, in Dallas, Marguerite married a man named Edwin Ekdahl, and because his work required a lot of relocation, Oswald lived in 13 different places before he was 10 years old, which would have been okay if he'd had the support of at least one parent. But Marguerite and Ekdahl fought constantly, and Marguerite, by all accounts, was a selfish, entitled person who never took responsibility for anything. And when Ekdahl left, Lee replaced him as Marguerite's companion, and Lee became Mother's Special Little Boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm Mother's Special Little Boy. I'm just a so special mom knows. Mom knows. I get that milk. I get that milk as soon as it's made. I get that milk as soon as it hits that nipple. Oh, I yeah? get that milk. I'm, hey, punching, I'm punching that belly button. Hey, I told uh, that to my mother. Hey, Lee, how old are you now? You're still breastfeeding? I'm I'm seven years old. You're seven. Okay. <laughs> no, he. Uh, I, I think he breastfed normal. Probably. Probably. Well, see, Margaret- I mean, yeah, he didn't do it standing on his hands. <laughs> that I'm, would be so much still fun. a person. <laughs> That'd be funny too. But you, like, Kizzle breastfed. He was like fourteen. Mm. I breast eight. <laughs> no, that's disgusting. No, I did. I whatever. <laughs> I was very close to my mother as a child. <laughs> I didn't talk a lot. Would you stop? You treated her like a hamster water bottle until you had chest hair. <laughs> See, Marguerite couldn't keep friends because she always found an excuse for a disagreement. She was a pain in the ass. Mm. Neighbors mm. hated her because she was constantly starting fights, and she constantly complained about how the unfairness of life had cheated her out of something better. Nothing was her fault. It was all life's fault so she's one of those women where one of the first sentences out of her mouth is i don't like drama i don't like drama drama likes me it's like "Mm -hmm, yeah okay i'm just like a i'm just one of those people i avoid drama like i'm not into drama don't bring your drama to me but i tell you what bridget is a bitch and she should be fired (laughs) 
<laughs> well, this entitlement was passed on to Lee, as Marguerite consistently told him that he was better and brighter than all the other kids while providing him with zero education or guidance on how to actually achieve and earn that distinction. Mm-hmm. During one of my mom's crisis periods when I was younger, at one point, I do mean this, she did seat me in the car and she said, Henry Thomas, you have psychic powers. <laughs> I spoke with a psychic who said in a previous life, you were an alchemist, and you need to make sure to use your powers for good and not for evil. And I just remember being 10, just going, nice. <laughs> nice, yeah. I have a psychic power, but we're going to go to In-N-Out Burgers now, Mom. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, yeah, I bet it, Mommy. I bet it. I'm going to start hitting Daddy, and I'm going to grab the wheel of the car while we're driving, Mommy. <laughs> Well, because of this, Lee grew up sullen, angry, and violent. Why was he so angry? His mom loved him. I mean, this doesn't sound like... It sounds like a doting mother, but... No, his mom did not love him. His mom she was did. trying to use him as an extension of herself. I see. Like, okay. he wasn't actually a person to her. Like, she was just an extension of her own ego. Okay, I see. So, not so much uh, a mama's boy who get, got everything from his mother, more like used... As an ex- I see. Kind of so. I mean, he did. Say, I mean, he was extremely spoiled, uh, but that's not good for a kid. Right. Okay. Well, one neighbor named Hiram Conway, who lived two doors down from Lee for three and a half years, said Oswald was an almost vicious child who would throw rocks at all the other kids just for the fun of it, just to see him get hurt. Why are it's you making that fun. face like you did that all the time, Ben? I mean, who were the kids? Because <laughs> kids are very mean. Because you're a fucking goon. You're a born goon. <laughs> no, and I you was throw the one who got boulders bullied. at people. No, I did not throw boulders at people. No, I'm just saying. You're like Donkey Kong. You're throwing <laughs> barrels and ladders at people that are just trying to walk the street. And yeah, you're larger and you do get more attention. But that's why you technically should be giving gifts. You should be wearing one of those like Nordic shirts, like the old style Santa Claus. Like Santa Claus. If you were my size, you would have been in prison twice. 20 years ago. The, I- <laughs> the ideas that you have of the freedoms of a large man are insane. Well, another neighbor said they saw Lee chasing his half-brother John with a butcher knife. And when Lee couldn't catch him, he threw the knife so hard at his half-brother that it stuck in the wall. Again, you've got a faraway look in your eye. Because I have a horrible joke. <laughs> oh, it hurts. Uh, how couldn't he catch his half-brother? You know, because he like, doesn't have legs. Uh, I, Henry started this thing with the necktie joke, and then it just... I'm derailing the whole thing. Yes. Sorry. Well, when the neighbor turned to Marguerite in shock, she dismissed the attempted stabbing as just a little scuffle. Jeez. Yeah, you should. They only throw in the knife because I didn't get the harpoon gun in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even so, when half brother John moved to New York City and got married in 1950, Marguerite and Lee followed two years later and brought their dysfunction into the half brother's home once more. Mm. He didn't want him there. No, and he they didn't ask him either. Yeah. They yeah. just rolled in with Lee Harvey Oswald, little psychopath, and a mom. Marguerite is just fucking shrieking and crying about how the, everything's unfair. Very histrionic woman. Just taking over what I imagine is not the hugest place because it's an apartment on the Upper East Side. Yeah. yeah. Well, on one occasion, Marguerite asked Lee to turn down the TV. So Lee pulled out a knife threatened her, and punched her in the face. Oh, look, some, kind of, some kind of remote control, mommy? <laughs> like some kind of remote control, mommy? I don't think so. Do remote controls have knives? 
During later testimony, Marguerite downplayed the incident by saying, and knife wasn't that big. Well, just, it's, I guess a remote control hadn't come along yet. That could have saved this entire scuffle from happening. happening. But after that incident, half-brother John reached his limit and made Marguerite and Lee leave. They moved to the Bronx, and even though Lee was enrolled in school, he refused to attend, and Marguerite didn't make him go. How did they get enough money to keep on moving? I mean, it's not that cheap to uproot yourself all the time. And I'm not sure. I mean, she was working. I don't, okay. I don't exactly know what she did. For, do you know what Marguerite did for a living? I honestly do not know. I don't know. It, 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 I don't, it didn't say in any of the books that I read. It's just things were really cheap. Right. Things were cheaper than they all know <laughs> in this economy. That's very true. So during all of this time, Lee Harvey Oswald was v- viewed as like, so the, the mom, it's, all of this kind of all... I th- all of this kind of built, I think, to him starting coming at her with the knives. Because the way it started, she doted upon him, right? She said all of this shit about how he was a genius and stuff, but she also told him that he was very physically fragile. Yeah. And mm. that you can't go and play sports with the other boys. And he says, like, so what am I supposed to do, mommy? Just like, that's why we're putting you in tap dancing lessons. Whoa! <laughs> so Lee Harvey Oswald... Took tap dancing lessons, which I can only imagine is just him just going, oh, you want me to do T for two, huh? <laughs> oh, you want to do T for two? Guess what? I only do T for one, baby. If you would have done tap dancing outside of the, uh, out- when he was being arrested, I'm a patsy. Combined <laughs> with tap dancing, I think you got to legally let him go. <laughs> well, when Oswald was finally sent to a youth house for refusing to go to school, a psychiatrist with the improbable name of Renatus Hartogs said that Lee had the potential for explosive, aggressive, and assaultive behavior. Mm. Yeah, he is all sorts of fucked up. He is very, <laughs> very mean. He yelled a lot. He yelled at the nurse. He yelled at me. And I was like, hey, now, let's think about this for a second because I'm a hypnotist. <laughs> Which is true. Renatus Hartogs, this is where we're going to do a little bit of... <laughs> Let's do a side swipe here. Do you think this is when they started training him for MKUltra and they started giving him LSD? <laughs> this is true. Because Dr., so-called Dr. Renatus Hartogs, right? He was a part of a, he had legit connections to the training facilities of MKUltra and was one of the proponents of using LSD for mind control operations. And so all of this is very connected together. But for some reason also then, Renatus Hartogs, after all this happened, after Lee Harvey Oswald left his charge, he was fired for having sex with a client where he, a very, a, he's this, he's a professional hypnotist, this is true, he was a professional hypnotist, and he got fired for having sex with his client because he basically manipulated a schizophrenic woman into believing that the only way to cure her was for her to have sex with him. Hmm. Professional hypnotist. That's why never be in a room with a professional hypnotist ever. (laughs) I agree. And they tried to say, obviously he got, he ended up getting, you know, got his license removed and all stuff, but they asked him what his defense was. And his defense was, there's no, is there crime to in seduction? <laughs> well, when you do it like that, surprisingly yeah. enough, there is very clear crime. So, yep. okay, let's just just we'll put a button on that rabbit hole. But let's just say that <laughs> indeed something like that it did happen, and you are trying to recruit uh, a, people for MK Ultra. What is it about Lee Harvey Oswald that would make him recruitable? He's an asshole. He, <laughs> he has knife skills, but they're like, okay, um, can he tap? <laughs> oh, he does no tap. Well, then he's in. That's incredible. <laughs> just go, we are going to put him immediately on this the CIA summer 
stock program. <laughs> just immediately doing the CAA's version of Oklahoma. <laughs> no, they were doing MK Ultra experiments at Harvard. They were doing it on people like Ted Kaczynski. They weren't doing it on truant boys in the Bronx. Okay. He's a good human bullet. I, I mean this. You would say it a lot. Yes, he is loose. He is useless. But maybe he's so useless. He's useful. Yeah, I don't know, because you don't want... He's so unpredictable, though. Yep. You want someone who is exactly. predictable. <laughs> no, no, no. Sometimes, though, you want another that's unpredictable, that can make a bunch of messes, uh-huh. and then a predictable person has to come and deal with. That's the power of being unpredictable. Sometimes you want to be unpredictably predictable. <laughs> that's the thing, is that Lee was by no means untethered from reality, He just thought that reality revolved around Lee. Emotionally isolated and lacking any affection or family stability, Lee developed a vivid fantasy life in which he was a being of omnipotence and power, and the situation was only made worse by his mother. By 1953, Lee had been placed in an institution for disturbed boys and given mandatory psychiatric care, but instead of addressing the problem, the problem that her son was an asshole, Marguerite blamed the New York court system for being unfair. Mm. And so she took Lee back to New Orleans. They say that kids have all the power now, but honestly, Lee Harvey Oswald just been like, I ain't going to school. And they're like, they have to be like, all right, so he just like walked down the street with his weird little like 1950s white shirt on with the cigarettes stuck in the sleeve, like kicking mailboxes and stuff, (laughs) just saying, I ain't going to school. Now, conspiracy theorists like to either mitigate or outright ignore Lee's vast psychological problems in childhood, saying that the tests on his mental state were inconclusive and that Oswald was nothing more than a tense, if withdrawn, boy. But records and the accounts of neighbors show that Lee Harvey Oswald's background when it came to his early childhood is far more in line with some of the more dangerous people we've covered on this show rather than the life of a secret agent. So when the Oswalds returned to New Orleans, Lee was a spoiled, self-centered teenager who would stand at the head of the stairs in his home and scream at his mother to come make him something to eat. He's holding McNeely. <laughs> yeah, we were all thinking um, that and uh, Holden McNeely. Check if you him listen out, to Wizard of the Bruiser, page seven. If you listen to stories about Holden's childhood, it sounds like this. Yeah. He was a, he was scary to his parents. Yes, yes. And no matter what Marguerite was doing, she stopped everything to take a plate of hot food to Lee's room. Aww. But that's not all. But <laughs> what kind of childhoods the two of you have? Honestly, I could offer some. You're telling me I got room service up in this? Sweet. I need something to eat, mommy. I need something to eat. Oh, Henry Thomas, you've already drained me dry this afternoon. I can't, I'm not some kind of heifer. I'm not from Nebraska. Hey, mommy, you're going to have to go out and get me somebody else's milk. Okay, Henry Thomas, let me get my bucket. <laughs> Just a tyrant. The the tyrant in Queens. Furthermore, Marguerite had moved her teenage son to a red light district in New Orleans, which meant that Lee was growing up in a community of crime and corruption. Lee also showed a small propensity for animal cruelty. Once, during a fishing trip with a group of neighborhood children, Lee laid all the fish he'd caught that day down on the bank and left them to die rather than throwing back the small ones or even keeping the larger ones to eat later. It seemed as if all he wanted was to watch him suffer. It's interesting because when I read about that that same event, 
in my mind, it's like, yes, he's he is killing these fish wantonly, but it also was sort of like a protest because he had he was not well liked as a kid, like generally, like he had friends and shit. But it seems that he did that specifically to make the other kids upset hmm? more than anything. Where he went right. like, yeah, caught a fish, and they're all like, okay, because they would go and they'd throw the smaller ones back, and he'd take. He's like, but I'm keeping this one, and he would like put it on the lawn, and they'd catch another one. Like, hey, see under the fish and they're like great do what you got to do with it and then he'd like throw it down smoke a cigarette even though he's 11 <laughs> just like watching all the kids like writhe the thing and him staring at them being like i can do this all day and we're like do it do it we're fishing we're hanging out okay i mean not the not the worst animal cruelty we've ever heard it's not no but it's still animal cruelty it's still wanting to watch a living thing suffer was it possible he was just trying to progress evolution? What if those fish <laughs> all just started to breathe oxygen for the first time? Didn't need water anymore. But even though Lee sounds like a massive pain in the ass, he still managed to make a couple of friends. And one, William Wolfe, bonded with Lee over a shared love of history. Because Oswald was smart enough to be curious about history, but still self-absorbed enough to only apply it to himself. Hey man, you ever see pictures of goblins? They're always in groups. <laughs> Goblins love friends. That's true. So at this friend's house, Lee discovered a book about communism, and something inside Lee's head immediately identified with communist thought. And before William knew it, Lee was scouring New Orleans for a communist cell to join. He's about 14. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit like... Roger Stone. It's just a little <laughs> bit like that's not normal for a fourteen-year-old. But I guess it's just a, also, it, it does require a level of interest in society, though, which re- is it, interesting. It, it absolutely it does. does. But it's kind. It kind of reminds me of kids that wanted to be punk, but the way they started it was just by putting like glue in their hair. <laughs> <laughs> when William Wolfe's father heard Lee extolling the virtues of communism in his own home, he kicked Lee out the door. But the damage was done. From that day forward, Lee Harvey Oswald would at least claim to be an ardent communist. Now, it's a matter of conjecture as to why communism appealed to Oswald so strongly, but we think that it might have something to do with Lee's contrarian nature. See, in 1955, in America, about the most provocative thing you could be was a communist. If you were an out-and-out communist, you were hated and somewhat feared, and you certainly got attention. I actually don't think Lee Harvey Oswald believed in anything. Mm. To put it in modern parlance, Lee Harvey Oswald was a troll. There it is. There he is. I wonder if he believed in anything or not. I that's a that's one of those eternal questions about the inner nature of Lee Harvey Oswald because he does walk the walk quite a bit. Like he does throw a lot of the terminology around, and he he says to espouse it. But I really do. I my heart of hearts tells me, reading about what what he's doing, what the way he does his performative communism yes, to everyone right. around him it does seem he's doing it just to be a pain in the ass we've all known that guy many of them many of us were friends with him in college and still are today <laughs> <laughs> but besides that oswald was probably also just looking to belong to something and communism gave lee everything he was looking for when it came to being a part of a group because the whole the whole point is to be a part of a group the whole point is to be a part of something it reminds me quite a bit of berkowitz and gacy this is kind of where it comes to, because they both love 
their groups. You know, like Berkowitz became an evangelist Christian. Gacy became, you know, part of the JCs very famously. And they, and but but those guys actually kind of made friends within their circles. And like Lee Harvey Oswald only ever made enemies. No yeah. one ever liked him, even when the communist community. And I think it comes down to because it's just easier to make friends with somebody when they're a little bit chunky. <laughs> He was too thin. thin. The whole problem is, <laughs> so this, is this entire episode going to conclude with, then he went on Jenny Craig and was able to get up to the book depository <laughs> and he shot Kennedy because finally he was on the right meal program. <laughs> you got to eat first to act right. That's true. You got to eat right to act right. I agree with that. So by the time Lee was 16, he dropped out of school and started working menial jobs where he would extol the virtues of communism to his co-workers, casually commenting that President Eisenhower should be killed for exploiting workers. I literally knew 10 of these guys when I worked at the Strand. It's why they worked there. They were hired there because of their ranting at customers. <laughs> Now, many have wondered why Oswald was able to talk so openly about his allegiance to communism without any real repercussions when so many Americans during this time were being destroyed for something as small as attending one communist meetup 20 years previous. For those of you unfamiliar with this time in American history, the 1950s were the time of the Red Scare, and many Americans believed that communism was insidiously gaining a foothold in America in order to change the system from the inside out. Ooh. No! Wow! <laughs> no! I don't want health care! <laughs> so to prevent this supposed threat, Thousands of people in both the government and in the entertainment industry in particular were blacklisted from working if they had even the smallest connection to communist thought. Even if you had gone to a communist meeting in 1924, if it came out during the McCarthy hearings in the 50s, you were fucked. I'm not going to go watch a commie actor. I'm not watching a commie <laughs> actor as the customer. I'm, I'm fine with the purge. Get rid of it. It just sucks. If you bought a sickle, from a Polish guy in 1925, <laughs> you could not write movies anymore. Hmm. Okay. But for the most part, the people being blacklisted were people of influence, or at the very least, people who might have some consequence on the lives of others. Lee Harvey Oswald was no such person. He was of no consequence, and therefore not worth the effort, because, again... Governmental organizations are run by actual people with limited resources, and running down a teenage clerical worker wasn't exactly at the top of their fucking list. Mm -mm. I tell you what, though, I went outside of the CAA building. I told you what I did when I did. I told him, I told him what I was. You know, and the guy said, "You know what the guy said? You know, they nerve to tell me. You know, they, you know, they nerve to tell me." <laughs> he said, "I'm small potatoes." <laughs> <laughs> really? You know, I tell him. You know, I told him, buddy. You know, buddy. Actually, I'm big potatoes. <laughs> I'm bigger potatoes than you think. These these potatoes are going to come rolling out so big that you're going to wonder what to do with them. You're not going to have a microwave to be able to deal with how big my potatoes are. Uh, hey, uh, hey, CIA boss, uh, there's an unemployed chef outside. He's talking about potatoes. Do you just want to give him a potatoes. job? Or these I... ain't pequeño potatoes. These are grainy potatoes. Okay. Want to come in? Do you want to cook for us? I'd love to use the bathroom. No problem. Those are some big potatoes. Now, even though Marguerite pretty much waited on Lee hand and foot, she was also an overbearing, oppressive figure. He wanted to get the fuck away from her. So, when Lee came of age, he joined the Marines partly to get away from his mother and partly to belong to something. That is quite fascinating, though, right? Obviously, he couldn't be that much of a communist if he's going to, going to join the Marines when the U.S. was 
actively at war with communism. At the time, I mean, it was something to do because all of his brothers had all done the same thing. He wanted to get the fuck away from his mother. He didn't know how, and he knew that his brothers had all gotten away from her by going to the Marines, so he figured, all right, I'll do it too. We have nagging mothers to thank for half of the people in the military. <laughs> yes, yes. That's how my father joined the Navy. Uh, but he also, he truly emulated his older brother. He, what you'll see, too, is he kind of modeled a little bit of his life off of his older brother, which kind of created this inner competition just within their family because the older brother left the nest, right, and made a life for himself where he got a wife and, and kids, and he's leaving, leading a so-called normal life in the 1950s, and his mom kind of opposed them towards each other. Like She kind of made them fight each other. She put them in competition, essentially saying... Well, Lee, you'll always be the most special boy because you stayed home with mommy. Mm. You stayed home. And your your brother fucked off and left the family, which kind of, it, it was weird. It's all this, like, this push and pull of hate and love. And it also tells you how much he truly believed in communism. You know, if he was truly into this shit, then, yeah, he wouldn't have joined the Marines. Uh, exactly. But it tells you eh, it's more of an act. Okay. We also, it's a slippery slope because he, jo- he joined that flight club, too, where the little boys learn to fly, which is a crazy program to think about it. In the 1950s, they just taught fucking 12, 15-year-olds how to fly planes. They would go and they, they would take these kids, and, and then that ended up being fucking wildly connected deeper into Lee Harvey Oswald's life when we find out his flight teacher from when he was 14 years old is some, some big, he's embroiled deep. In the Cuban conspiracy world. Woo! When you said flight club, I thought he was really into Nikes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, bro. Fuck nice. yeah, dog. Henry is uh, the guy he's talking about is the guy that Joe Pesci played in, uh, in j- the movie JFK. Okay. Yeah, he had he alopecia. Has the dro- he has the, the, yeah, the pasted on eyebrows. He had a, <laughs> and he wore a wig with a chin strap. They really could have uh, telegraphed that he had alopecia a little bit more in JFK because it just looked like he was wearing a bad costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. So Lee Harvey Oswald reported for duty, and by November of 1956, he was able to hit a 10-inch bullseye from 200 yards, eight times out of 10. Wow. Far from the terrible shot that many conspiracy theorists make him out to be. I mean, some just don't mention his shooting record, while others out-and-out lie. And speaking of the movie JFK, the most egregious example comes from Jim Garrison, who was famously played by Kevin Costner. Garrison said that Oswald was, quote, a notoriously poor shot and had an abysmal marksmanship record in the Marines. It's just a straight lie. Marcus, can we go back and take that the proper way, the Kevin Costner performance way of the way he said it? Because you can't you can't escape the gravity. All right. I'll try it. I'll I'll try it again. Well, Oswald was a notoriously poor shot and had an abysmal marksmanship record in the Marines. <laughs> hey, uh, aren't, you, uh, aren't you that dickhead who made a baseball stadium for ghosts? Why are you the defense attorney in, in the project? What's going on here? What are you? <laughs> I mean, well, Lee Harvey Oswald, I mean, he was average for the Marines, but that still means that he was a fucking excellent shot by any other metric. I will take average for the Marines any day. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, if I was going to kill JFK, I'd use a grenade. <laughs>
That'd be sweet as fuck, because that's my favorite video game weapon of all time. I love grenade launchers. Yeah. And shit like that. And you just fucking use a rocket launcher and blow up that whole shit. Oh, but, you know, I, again, pl- I can't rewrite history. No, you can't. I've been playing Days Gone. Grenade is too slow. You get sniped right in the head by the time you throw it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, no. He doesn't always talk about yeah. it. It's just a little side <laughs> conversation for Marcus yeah. and I. But that's I know, why you got to cover yourself. Oh, the other way to really cover yourself with C4 and run in there while he's having sex with Marilyn Monroe. Right? Mm-hmm. And she's there. He's just like, oh, Marilyn, I'm going to come all over. And I'm like, wait a second, Marilyn. Hey, hey, hey. And like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I was like, well, I'm so glad that you came, Secretary of State. And I was like, what? I, I fucking fuck all this. <laughs> Not surprisingly, nobody in the Marines like. <laughs> oh, Marilyn. I, I tell you what, Marilyn, I'm going to come up inside them guns. Oh, my God. What is it? Who is that? It's me, Henry Zabrowski. I'm here to assassinate. Hey, uh, Henry there. I couldn't help but notice your tiny Petey there. Wouldn't you want to join in on making love to this beautiful woman with me, sir? I'm just... Yes, sir, Mr. President. I'm surprised it took this long to get to a JFK having sex with Marilyn uh, Marilyn Monroe impression. I'm happy we got there. I'm happy we got there. And now, actually, he waited a full hour. Yep. You know, episode 400. We only have approximately five more episodes of this series for me to do those jokes. And not surprisingly, nobody in the Marines liked Lee Harvey Oswald. Not necessarily because he was a dick, but mostly because he was just a meek, alienating figure. Which, that earned him the nickname Ozzy Rabbit. And that eventually turned into Bugs. As in Bugs Bunny. Okay. It's, it's not the cool. worst, it's not not the the worst, worst. name. I kind of like yeah, Ozzy like Rabbit. Yeah, it's not mm. bad, Bugs. Now, he did try to fit in at first by being funny, probably because someone told him that's how you get people to like you, but since Oswald had no sense of humor whatsoever, just failed miserably. Hey, actually- Private Thompson, come here. Private Thompson, come here. Come here. Hey, knock, knock. Oh, yeah. Knock, yep. knock. Say knock oh, knock. Oh, I, I say knock knock. It's a big it's a beginning oh, a, of joke structure. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Lee. I didn't know we were doing a bit, a, a, a joke here. Um, okay, knock knock. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. I'm busy. No, 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 Lee, Lee. You're supposed. I. Y- Fuck you, buddy. Knocking on my door without calling with me. <laughs> no, sending no. me a text Lee, or something. Lee, you're supposed to say who's there. Don't tell me what the fuck to say. No, I'm not telling you, but if you want to, that's the point of the knock-knock. I say knock-knock, and then you say, who's there? Coming to my house no, without inviting yourself? I didn't invite you to my home, and you just show up? Invite yourself over to my home? Knock-knock, who's there? Say orange. <laughs> I ain't playing your wizard games with you anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, instead, Oswald fell back on aggression by trying to one-up everyone in every conversation, seizing on any small mistake made and berating the other person with those mistakes. Again, a fucking troll. Would not berate a bunch of Marines. Like, they will get upset with you. Look what happened to Pat Tillman. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, is that Oswald... When he was growing up, he was always a year older than everybody else because he had moved around so much. That's just the way it happened uh, when it came to schooling. And since he was older than everyone else, that meant that he was usually bigger than everyone else. And paired with his aggressive tendencies, that meant that Oswald was a fucking bully the whole time growing up. Doesn't that mean he was, like, left behind? Can't you just be like, yeah, because you were left behind in school, you dummy? Every single one of my bullies was left behind. Ah. Not a single one of the, my... <laughs> they had street every, smarts. That's how you get... Every single one of the kids that used to beat the shit out of me or broke bones or anything like that, all to the letter, every single one of those kids had been left behind at least once, and in one case had been left behind twice. <laughs> 
that's a strategy. That's a fighting strategy. You understand that you put yourself in a new weight class. You just put yourself in the weight class below. And Lee Harvey Oswald was not, he wasn't tiny, but he wasn't big. But just watching him, just imagining him screaming at all these Marines. Oh. It's, just, it's just, he just, he never tried, man. He he never got it. He didn't understand what it was about making friends. Everybody had to come to him. Everybody had to worship him and pay fealty to him. They had to ask him questions. It, this is where it started, all mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. this weird shit. He kind of wanted to be worshipped. Yeah, he did. Well. And the Marines, that shit didn't fly. I mean, Oswald was only, what, 5'8"? And he had pretty much my build and had no fighting skills at all. So Oswald routinely got his ass kicked by the other Marines. But of course, Oswald believed that he was a great man. And the fact that no one else saw it caused great frustration, even though he, again, did absolutely fucking nothing to set him apart from his fellow soldiers. Eventually, Oswald was stationed in Japan, where he very quickly accidentally shot himself in the left arm while screwing around with a 22 caliber Derringer he bought just for fun. See? That's funny. See, now he's finding humor. <laughs> but it's also the way he played it off, because he did it in sort of an embarrassing way where it happened, and then he tried to act all dignified, because he, like, walked into the room. He They heard an, a gun go off while he was doing whatever in another room, and he walked out, and he's just like, I appear to have shot myself. <laughs> like he said it like it was like it was normal like he like he fucking dropped the jar of peanut butter. <laughs> All right, he's getting a sense of humor here. <laughs> well, as a result, he was passed up for a promotion and was assigned kitchen duty as punishment. Charges were brought up and he was found guilty, given 20 days hard labor, fined 50 bucks, and demoted to the rank of private cuz Doing something like this, like the Marines just looked at him and go, what kind of fucking idiot are you? We were told that you were big potatoes, and uh, <laughs> big potatoes don't shoot themselves in the arm. You see, you you say one more thing about my potatoes, I swear to God, I'm going to show you my oranges. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See? Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? I didn't invite okay, you to I my home. <laughs> but you said orange, and we're getting there. <laughs> Now, naturally, Oswald saw none of this as his fault, and he started down the same train of thought his mother had taught him to follow when she took him out of the home for the disturbed boys and moved him back to New Orleans from New York. If you don't find you shooting yourself in your arm to be your fault, you have a psychological problem. <laughs> like, there's no other possible answer. Society did not do that to no, you. <laughs> not possible. No, your mother did that to you. It was a Derringer. Yeah. It wasn't even that, it's not even that complicated of a gun. It's one <laughs> bullet. He shot an entire gun's worth of bullets into himself. <laughs> well, the way he saw it, the problem in the Marines wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. The problem was the United States of America. Mm. Yeah, man. <laughs> and so Oswald began to seriously think about defecting to what he thought was the communist utopia of the Soviet Union. So much fun over there. <laughs> yeah, and when I think the word utopia, the first things that come to my mind is the brown and gray world of the USSR. <laughs> yep, wonderful. Well, during his last few months in the Marines, Oswald would try to read Russian newspapers, he'd play loud Russian music in the barracks, and he did this all this shit so much that all the rest of the Marines started calling him Oswaldkovich. Which, of yeah. course, he fucking loved. And he made everyone call him Oswaldkovich. Honestly, that's what you do. You lean into the nickname, and yeah. I guess he did that. He called everyone comrade. 
He'd Ugh. pepper his. He'd pepper his conversations with da and yet. Oh my god! Where did he fucking study abroad? <laughs> Kids are using the word comrade again, and I just have to say, don't use it. I like it. I hate the word comrade. What's wrong with comrade? Because we have words called friend or buddy or pal or uh, Bob. Comrade's what? so much more fun. You are quickly doing. We're losing Marcus, Henry. <laughs> Unfortunately, Sammy Hagar ruined the current usage of the term amigo. <laughs> I I would use it more. I love Sammy Hagar, but it's just his use of it. It it, it really it destroys the entire word. Yeah, I mean, Lee Harvey Oswald also owned copies of Das Kapital. Uh, just kept them in his bunk, and oddly, also owned copies of Mein Kampf and Animal Farm, uh, which are about the most anti-communist books you can get. Just mixing it up. Yeah, but they're just mixing it up. Honestly, you got to hold different. You got to have a lot of different sources. See how other people think about stuff. Sometimes it helps to get another perspective. Yeah, yeah, but animal farm isn't animal farm an analogy for what happened during the Holocaust? No, for what happened during Stalin's Russia. During Stalin's yeah, Russia, yeah, it's an anti-Stalinist. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, anti-authoritarian. Yeah. Four legs good, two legs bad. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, well, it's good thing. almost like he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> Huh. But I tell you what, Das Kapital is my favorite album by Helmut. <laughs> Helmut! <laughs> but again, nobody cared about any of this because Oswald was of no consequence. Nobody thought that Lee Harvey Oswald was someone to take seriously. Mm. I mean, he was a Marine telling everyone, I am a communist on a military base. No one Can- gave a shit. Can that really be blamed on him? I guess that I I struggle with this question all the time. Like, how did he make it as long as he did within the Marines while he was spouting all this horseshit? Is it just like, can you just be so annoying and lame that you just nobody cares? It's like you surpass your un-American activities during the height of anti-communist fever in the country. You could just be that much of a loser yeah. that you you take yourself out of competition for being a real communist? I think so. Like, I think you really can be such an asshole that people don't care about anything you do. They just don't take you seriously because, again, if you're not a person of consequence and you're not a threat, who cares? Yeah, I mean, I guess also we were kind of at a relative time of peace. We got the Korean War. The Korean War is going to come up, but I guess also maybe that was it. That was after the Korean War. This is after the Korean War? Yeah, Korean War's done. Yeah, that's weird. When was that? (laughs) 50s. I thought, oh, we're not in, okay. No, this is like 1959. Well, eventually, Oswald got out of the Marines on a dependency discharge owing to who else but his mother. (gasps) A candy jar had fallen off a shelf. Yep, and, and smack Marguerite right in the face. Mm-hmm. And although was, that's how he got out of the Marines, that's how he got out of the Marines, which kind of makes me think they wanted him out of the Marines. But that is mm-hmm. also how horrible candy used to be. You could just <laughs> die if like a jar of candy fell on you because it was just half bricks. <laughs> yes, it was musket bullets <laughs> that you had to suck on for hours. There was no pleasure. It was a duty. Oh. Candy used to be a chore. <laughs> to teach you patience that you have to suck on concrete until you wear it down with your lips until you get the, the just 
just real apricot flavor center that it's just mm. ugh, ugh. but that's what you deserved <laughs> it was literally because we had a sacrifice for our boys <laughs> we did it was called rock candy as a matter of fact I think <laughs> I mean I Oswald every single performance review he had got had been exceedingly low uh, he'd been in the brig I think twice for fighting and various other activities I think the marines just wanted him fucking gone right. and eventually he found a doctor that signed off on the discharge and Oswald went back to America cold and bitter. His time in the Marines had been a total fucking failure. Didn't go out in Japan at all? Didn't He went out a little bit. I okay. mean, we'll, we'll get to that here, here okay. in a bit. But yeah, he, he did go out a bit. Well, from there, Oswald decided it was finally time to begin his defection to the Soviet Union. Uh-oh. Now, a lot of people make a big deal as to how Oswald got the money to travel to Russia. But the truth really isn't that outlandish. Oswald had saved $1,500 from his marine pay, which amounted to about 75% of his total salary. Damn. Now, Oswald did go out here and there while he was in the Marines, and he claimed to have paid for no less than eight sexual experiences in Japan. Ooh. (laughs) I would love to know what those are for Lee Harvey Oswald. I do know what three of them are, because this is all stuff he told his wife. Okay. He said that one... Was thin and very promiscuous. I, I remember going being with her, and I said, "Hey, what do you think of my potatoes?" <laughs> and she said that they were big. Oh, no kidding! One was much older than he was. Okay, yeah. And one was a big lady who'd cook for him. Hey, there you go. He's got the trifecta. That's all you need. <laughs> That's every type of lady. That's perfect. <laughs> but for the most part, like Lee Harvey Oswald, just stayed in his barracks and read. So saving most of his salary is not a ridiculous notion whatsoever. All the rest of the other Marines like actually used to bully him because he never went out. He never really chased after women. He never really did anything. They'd call him Mrs. Oswald, and when they came home drunk, they'd fucking grab him, turn on the shower, and throw him into the shower fully clothed. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, I agree with him. Yeah. I, he, well, he liked to, uh, he liked to read. When they all went out, he yeah. read his 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 yeah. communist lecture books, and they'd go out, and then he'd come back and he'd lecture them about how they lead frivolous lives that they are all exper- you know helping the capitalist system, and then they'd give him the old wonton treatment. Yeah, <laughs> throw him in the shower. And as to why he only had two hundred dollars in his bank account upon leaving for Russia, because that's brought up again and again and again. He only had two hundred dollars. Probably just had the rest in cash. It's not that hard to figure out. That's a smart way to travel. Yeah, but there's, but there, it is. This whole world is very murky because that's the one thing that the Russians do incredibly well. They've always been evil tricksters. They're fun. They're. I kind of think they're fun. I think that maybe they're right sometimes. (laughs) You think the Russians are fun? That's a controversial opinion. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not saying all their shit, but the way they like to play with people's minds. The tourist world there was all controlled by the KGB. It was like North Korea. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and Henry just said it was fun. (laughs) It is kind of fun because it's like you didn't understand that you going to visit Russia, it's like almost you're kind of also on a job interview to be a spy. You don't know that that's happening until you're like at the burger czar. Getting a fucking repair, which is just just bread. It's just bread with soaked in milk, and you're like, "Oh man, oh this is not what I expected," you know. And they're like, "You work for us, no, no, you work." I think you I'm work. making milkshakes. 
I think we were great, greatly confusing the Soviet Union with the world of Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing fun about it. Milkshakes in Russia are just cups of milk that you swirl the milk around and hand it to somebody. Aww. <laughs> Now, when Oswald tried to defect in 1959, it was a requirement that any foreigner visiting the USSR had to have a visa and purchase a preset package store. Like I said, just like North Korea is today. You were essentially on a track. A person came, you had a guide that was assigned to you, and you had to hang out with that person the whole time. Oh, what a lucky guide that must have been to pick up <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. No, this was a, he had a sour-faced woman. That yeah. seemed to be fine. She she seemed to have a good time, but there's not a lot of good times going on in Russia. No. no, not in the Soviet Union. Now, conspiracy theorists who believe that Oswald was quite possibly a Russian KGB agent like to say that Oswald's visa application turnaround was suspiciously fast. But this is because they are working on assumptions. Not facts. Whoa, Mark. <laughs> Whoa. That was the meanest thing you've ever said about someone. Wow. The way that you looked... Assumptions, not facts. It's like, I'm sorry. Did I do something wrong? What sorry. Happened? sorry. <laughs> well, out of the thousands of tourist applications, only a few were given full reviews. And the average turnaround between application and answer was only two days. Damn. However, that isn't to say the KGB wasn't involved in the process. For those of you who don't know, the KGB was Russia's intelligence agency. These people, along with the CIA and the FBI, were the real soldiers of the Cold War between the United States and the USSR, and they were just as feared as our own intelligence agencies were. Marcus, the real soldiers of the Cold War were the hockey teams. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Miracle on ice. But the KGB was very capable, uh, thorough, and also mean-spirited in a funny way. You like, are... They, they what is wrong were, with you? I don't know, man. I'm kind of with him. How is the <laughs> mean-spirited in a funny way? Well, let's see this breakdown of how they played Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> well, the KGB had defectors that came over to America's side for one reason or another. And the most valuable Russian defector in the history of the Cold War just happened to have jurisdiction over Lee Harvey Oswald's time in the Soviet Union. This man, Yuri Nosenko, was effectively imprisoned and tortured by the CIA for five years after he defected, just to make goddamn sure he was actually defecting and wasn't just a KGB double agent. Mm. This is the kind of stuff that I read. I read about the CIA in this in this go through that like it really is very scary. They had a lot of power. They yeah. got to work very autonomously during this time period and got to do kind of whatever the fuck they wanted. So this guy, the, as soon as they kind of think they're a spy, because he showed up just saying like, I'm ready to come to America. I'm ready to be in America. I have all these secrets. I'm going to tell you guys all the shit that I know from the KGB. They then have to, they just fucking go through every inch of your life forever. Trying to figure out, like, they, they watch you personally. Mm -hmm. Well, the process of this was insane because this guy went to the con went to an American diplomat and told them, hey, I want to come over. It was two more years before they actually brought him over because they had to check and make sure. It's like, of this course. guy isn't going to be a double agent. And then even after he came over, they kept him in prison for five years. Didn't let him have a toothbrush. All his fucking teeth fell out. Well, like, you gotta get the dentures. <laughs> you know, like, he, they barely fed him. They kept moving him from place to place. They kept him locked in a fucking attic for like two years before they finally said like, all right, you're good. 
What do you got? You passed the test. Oh, you cool. passed the test. Here's 40 McDonald bucks. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Um, and we actually also are going to gift you a franchise of McDonald's. No kidding. <laughs> well, it was Nochenko who had jurisdiction over tourists coming into the USSR. And he remembered Lee Harvey Oswald because Lee Harvey Oswald was a memorable fucking weirdo. Hmm. He said that the KGB was not interested in Lee Harvey Oswald in the least bit. Yes, Oswald was a Marine, but he was so low on the totem pole that he had nothing to offer that the KGB didn't already know. The KGB had plenty of sources in the military already and plenty mm -hmm. of sources all over America. Lee Harvey Oswald was just some fucking doofus. See, a lot has been made in the conspiracy world about Oswald's time in Japan because the base where Oswald was stationed also happened to be the home of America's U-2 spy planes, one of our biggest fucking assets. Also, another MK Ultra hotspot, which mm. is very, very interesting. He has another connection. Was this the place at, at Sugi Air Base that, John, that Lee Harvey Oswald, I almost said John Wilkes Booth, that Lee Harvey Oswald was given LSD as a part of his MK Ultra training? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. But they said he showed up saying, I will give you all of these secrets. I worked at the, at the YouTube base. I, I'll tell you everything that I know. And their response is, be, uh, I, I love this sentence. He's like, there is nothing he can give that the sparrows have not have already sung to the world for them to hear. Mm, interesting. Very Russian. Yes. Now, it is true that the Russians managed to shoot down a U-2 spy plane soon after Oswald arrived in the Soviet Union. Highly suspicious. However, that information was most likely given by Bernan Mitchell and William Martin, who were two high-ranking NSA operatives who defected to the USSR in 1960. Mm. If anybody had that fucking information... It was them and not Lee Harvey Oswald because Lee Harvey Oswald had no access to anything having to do with the U-2 plane because anything having to do with the U-2 was highly classified. But Lee Harvey Oswald did have the recipe for that military mac and cheese, <laughs> which is a very nice. I think that uh, what's important to remember is that when you're making military mac and cheese is that you want to make sure that uh, it, uh, there's no cheese in there. <laughs> Well, Oswald did work as a radar technician in air traffic control for a period of time, but that was separate from what the U-2 was doing. Those, uh, they did not just bring in the fucking U-2 spy planes on the same air traffic control that everything else was brought in. Everything having to do with U-2 operations was classified in a completely different secret fucking warehouse. But since Oswald had no real information, the KGB just didn't want him. And when Oswald tried to apply for Soviet citizenship, they flat out just denied his request. So like, no, we don't want you. Not only because he didn't have any information, but also because he was obviously mentally unstable. Well, he started in his tourist package. He gets picked up from the airport. They're driving around being like, this is the Kremlin. This is a water fountain. And at some point, he's literally he's like, I'm going to move here. I'm going to be a spy for you guys. Like, he just tells his tour guide, I want to be a spy for <laughs> right. you guys. And, and the KGB guy, who's obviously a KGB guy, he must be wearing a lanyard or something, <laughs> or they get a special type of hat or a, like some kind of eye patch or something. The tourist department was full of KGB agents. Yeah, and so they're like, okay, we'll see what he's got, because it's so funny how like it's, it's almost kind of informal. They're like, hey, this guy wants to be a fucking spy. Let's see what he does. Yeah, yeah. So they go and they get all his bullshit together, and then he walks into the room just being like, 
I'm the guy. I'm the one who's gonna bust it open. And they're all like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, comrade. I do not think that you are uh, the guy. All right, hold on, hold on. Let's test. Let's see if he's the guy. Okay, Lee, knock, knock. <laughs> you get out of my ah, house. damn it. Get out of my home. <laughs> and so after his citizenship was denied, in a dramatic gesture, or as a last-ditch effort to stay in the country, Oswald lamely attempted suicide by slitting his wrists in the bathtub, knowing full well that his tour guide would be coming in to check on him within the hour. See, there is something nice about dictatorships where they keep an eye on you 24-7. <laughs> but he couldn't even defect. He was so dumb. Yeah. But he couldn't even defect. Well, he definitely made up for their assumption that he wasn't good enough at anything. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, this is what he wrote in his journal, which he so grandiosely called his historic diary. It's a journal! It's a journal! <laughs> I am stunned. Six o'clock evening. Received word from police official. I must leave the country tonight at 8 p.m. as visa expires. I spelt that wrong on purpose. <laughs> I am shocked! My dreams! I retired to my room. I have $100 left. I've waited for two years to be accepted. My fondest dreams are shattered because of a petty official, because of bad planning. I plan too much! <laughs> 7 p.m. I decide to end it. Soak, wrist, no W, because I want to say the word faster. <laughs> In cold water to numb the pain. I slash my left wrist. Then plunge Rist in the bathtub of hot water. I think when Rima comes at eight to find me dead, it will be a great shock. Somewhere a violin plays as I watch my life whirl away. I think to myself, how easy to die. And a sweet death to violins. A little poetic uh, in a uh, Lee Harvey Oswald communist art kind of way. A little dramatic. Very dramatic. <laughs> oh, he is the, the son of a woman who doesn't like drama. <laughs> I tell you what, I don't like drama. Come to me. I'm a no drama mama. But if Bridget says one more fucking word in a meeting, say throws me under a bus one more time, I'm going to put her in her trash can. I'm going to roll her down a hill. Oh, okay. Well, that's better than shooting the president. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! 
H-E-L-P.com slash last pod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
Now, even Oswald himself said in the fucking entry he was well aware that someone was coming to find him in less than an hour after he slit his wrist. And he went across. He, he didn't go up. He didn't go up the road. He went across the tracks. And again, this is not a recommendation. No. Nor, nor a, nor this is like, uh, uh, yes. It was a cry for help. It was a cry for help. I mean, and not even, yep. and not even a cry for help, really. It wasn't. I mean, the suicide... Attempt was not the point was not his own death. Mm. No, it was and it was not psychological in nature. The no. whole point was to be like, I'm trying to show you how serious I am about staying in Russia. I'm real serious. Uh-huh. <laughs> but then it was barely a cut. He actually was nowhere near dying. No. Hmm. And but the shitty thing is, it worked. Oswald was sent to a psych ward for three days where it was concluded that he was mentally unstable. But with this, the KGB had a choice to make. And strangely enough, geopolitical events had a bearing on that choice. The obvious choice was just to send him home. Get him the fuck yeah, out of here. Get him the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah get the fuck out of here. Just go. But while Oswald was convalescing in a psych ward, President Eisenhower was holding a meeting at Camp David with Nikita Khrushchev, the premier of the Soviet Union. Now, these Cold War meetings were highly delicate affairs. No one wants to give an inch. And an American with a big fucking mouth being sent back to the United States with slashed wrists would be bad optics for the USSR. So to keep Oswald out of the spotlight, they deemed him harmless and extended his stay in Russia without giving him citizenship. But Oswald just wouldn't keep quiet. And three days after his release from the hospital, he attempted another dramatic gesture. (laughs) He went to the American embassy, threw his passport down on the consul's desk, declared himself a Marxist. I am a Marxist. And told them that he was going to tell the KGB everything he'd learned about military radar while he was in the Marines. I am not an American. He was saying, screaming at me like, take my citizenship. Please, take my citizenship. Like, he's screaming at this wow. diplomat, and the guy is just staring at him. Because, you know, because he's an American in, in Russia. He's just doing his job. He's just trying to say, and he just goes, whatever. <laughs> okay. He said, he said, whatever, man. Uh, it's fucking, it's Friday. It's too late in the day to start the paperwork. Come back on Monday, I guess. They didn't take him seriously Damn, at all, or at least that's they, amazing. they didn't uh, like. It was just a whatever type of moment, you know. And as far as why Oswald was not immediately picked up by the Americans or detained at the embassy, it's again about optics. The Cold War between the U.S. and the Russians was largely a war of perception, and if it got out that a Marine was attempting defection, then it would look bad for the United States. They're- again, this is a highly delicate time. They're going to make a meme about this. This is going to go viral, guys. We better be very careful. Better keep him over there. Better not ruffle feathers. Maybe he'll get on Samantha B. Wouldn't that be fun if he was a guest on Samantha B because of this? Oh, my God. So instead of bagging him and sending him back to the U.S., the consul took the discreet route. He contacted some of the Marines, told him, hey, there's some fucking idiot over here that says he's going to tell the KGB all mm. about our radar. So the Marines just changed the codes. They go, all right. Yep. They just changed the codes over at the uh, Air Force Base where Oswald was stationed, and that was it. Is it the uh, also- is it the private that doesn't know any knock knock jokes? <laughs> yeah, well, we remember him. He's a real. You D-bag. tell him. You tell him again that I did not invite him. That I set out a dinner for one. There's dinner for one tonight. Uh, I also think it's very interesting just how 
coordinated everybody's efforts were. I know that this is where conspiratorial thought, just that its very base comes out, but the fact that the Cold War was happening. So on the outside, U.S. and Russia are vehement enemies. Mm -hmm. They are blood enemies about to destroy the world in order to make sure that one has more power than the other. They are ready to do a nuclear war, do a full no-holds-barred mutual destruction. We're going to destroy everything. But on the inside, they are delicately agreeing of like, how do we move through these waters? It's it's real. This is why conspiratory thought kind of gets fucking jammed in here because you have to see that like no our governments they really do all kind of collude i'll use the word collude in order to they they, there are back doors to everything yeah while the we get one message Mm -hmm. they are all working in a whole separate world it's diplomacy yeah it is absolutely diplomacy and I, i think the cold war at least on this micro level it was a lot of it was about plugging holes you know, little hole, kind of, it's the, the little little Dutch boy on the dike, just going and plugging hole after hole after mm-hmm. hole. <laughs> I can't just say plug holes without you two giggling. Yeah. <laughs> 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 is having fun. I miss the boy. <laughs> now, Oswald never went back to the embassy, but he wrote in his historic diary that the experience had filled him with elation. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Of course. Mm-hmm. It was such a huge dramatic gesture. But they didn't care. <laughs> no. Nope. I, I, okay. But it, but it was the gesture. He had done he, it. But is he it, got it out. But when you make the gesture and then they react with a... It's Friday. We'll do a Monday? <laughs> like, isn't that depressing? I don't... I've just had so many of these where yeah. I'm screaming at a man behind a desk on a Friday afternoon, and they do that, be like, why just come back on Monday? The guy, especially when I was working in an office, yeah. just like yelling to be heard. It's hard, man. Yeah. I was I was in the middle of something. I'll come back on Monday. I'll come <laughs> back okay. On okay. Monday. But despite this dramatic gesture, the CIA didn't open a file on Oswald for another year. They really should have. Though. They really should have. To be fair, like have. this is the CIA being like, you got to take him kind of serious. Yes, he is do. really pushing hard here. This is, you know, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, incompetence. Mm. So to further keep Oswald occupied and to make damn sure he knew nothing, the Soviet government set him up with a job in Minsk as a metal worker at a radio and TV factory. Even though Oswald had told them he'd much rather do something involving economics or politics. Dude. You're gonna send me to be a sheet metal worker? I want to. I want to be in the government, sir. No, man, to each man's abilities, right? Isn't the idea of socialism? The idea is you're supposed to go and do what you are born to do, Lee Harvey Oswald, which is build televisions. Yep. You got to go do this job. I mean, that's, go work in a factory. He believed in that ideal until he got into the system and realized that his means were pretty fucking meager. What do you mean? I don't get to be the leader? I figured that <laughs> I figured that I would be the leader. That's why I kind of like communism. I thought I was going to be the leader. Is, this is where the troll stuff, though, for the KGB comes in, right? So they put him in this little factory job. But all at the same time, now, they are actively watching Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. As a part of it. And, and one of the guys, I believe it was Yuri, his, what they, the way they described him is that they wanted to see his potential. They wanted to see what he would do. They called the term a, they said that he might be a good dangler. But I'm not quite certain what that means, but it seems that what it is... Mm. It's like, a, essentially, it's a distraction. This is what I was saying. They like the unpredictable ones, too. They like people that can go and be like, he is a great dupe 
that we can use, we can weaponize maybe. Oh, useful If idiot. he's the right type of dude. Right, right. And yeah. so they put him in a relatively, like, he got a good apartment assignment. It was fine. It was average. Was, but you, the thing about the apartment assignment is that it it's average, right? But most people had to have roommates and live together in kind of group homes, right? And share bathrooms and shit. He got a technically a cuss position, which also diametrically opposes him to the new friends that he's going to have. And then they slowly but surely started flipping all of the friends that he was making naturally at the factory to inform on him. So eventually, Lee Harvey Oswald was just in a roving world of human microphones, all telling the KGB immediately what he's doing. Meanwhile, he's just fixing televisions and screaming how bad the food is. (laughs) Interesting. If you are in Berlin, there's a great museum that shows you what the Soviet living conditions were like. Did you do that museum? The DDR museum? Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, that's that's East German. That was, Uh, yeah, that's East East German living conditions. But yeah, it is a fascinating museum. It's a great fucking museum. And I love Dance Dance Revolution. That was so much fun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Oswald's apartment in Minsk, it was a little bit better because he did get his own room, but it was not the lavish VIP dwellings no. that a lot of conspiracy theorists try to make it out to be. He didn't have a TV. He didn't have a telephone. Uh, but, you know, it was about average. He you should know? have brought home a piece at a time like that Johnny Cash song and built his own TV. <laughs> <laughs> was it 67, 87? Remember that? Yeah, yeah I remember that. a good that. song. Yeah. yeah. But all the Soviet Union wanted was to get rid of Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> just kind of get him out of the way. I do love that everyone was just so confused on how to get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> he was just repellent. But it, it shows also because they also, they straight up could have fucking shot him That's in the head. That's what I'm saying. Just shoot him <laughs> in the head. But they look at him and they, they're just like, let's see what he does. Yeah. Like literally, let's see. Let's see what he fucking does. We're going to... Hook, we're gonna poke at him. Yeah, we're gonna do all this kind of shit and see what it is. So they have put solid man hours and 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 billable hours into uh, just essentially goofing <laughs> right. on this idiot. It's the story of the man who knew too little. Yeah. So he's starting to think. I, I, they might actually be really into me because he was also living his life in a way that was very. He was aware that he was being bugged as well, and sometimes he would talk to his apartment knowing that he was being bugged and he'd keep the place really really clean and he turned his music on really loud when he was having like his conversations his very deep salon like conversations with the friends of his quote unquote that were just informants <laughs> Oswald was by no means fluent in Russian no no <laughs> really I mean he no. had a rudimentary grasp of the language he knew enough to make friends and go to work however it's up for debate as to whether Oswald actually made friends in Russia or if the KGB just assigned him friends to monitor his activities. Hey, he sh- he'll take it. Yeah, he'll take it's it. It's a lonely time out there. Either way, though, you know, the interactions Oswald had in the USSR were mostly positive. I mean, even the KGB agents that were there to pump him for information, they were at least friendly. I mean, whether they were trying to engage him in anti-Soviet conversations mm-hmm. or whether they were trying to offer him secret information uh, to try to get him to show his cards. So we know he's a dumb shit, but let's just see <laughs> what kind of dumb shit he is. Yeah. I mean, what the Soviets were finding out was that Oswald had no cards to show. He yeah. truly did just want to live there. He just <laughs> thought it would be he thought it would be this perfect 
wonderful place. He thought it was going to be Palm Springs, <laughs> but with bears. It's so, it's, this is actually just very sad. Yeah. I mean, they did make some last ditch efforts to see if he knew anything useful at all, but all the information he had was outdated. And even if he did have anything useful, He'd been so goddamn loud about defecting that any information he might have would be totally tainted. It would be useless. If, if anything, it would be disinformation by that point. Mm. See, when you have a defection, again, it's all about perception. When someone comes over to your side, you want that person to be impressive. Oh, Lee yeah. Harvey Oswald just wasn't a good look for the USSR. He looked bad. Like, he was like, you're not going to put this idiot on the fucking news no. and show everyone this is the type of person that's defecting to the USSR? His head is so weird looking that for years, conspiracy <laughs> theorists thought that his pictures were essentially photoshopped because no one believed a head like his would be on a body like his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he's having a rough go of it here. No one's taking him seriously. The anger is no. building up inside. Oh, yeah. Now, concerning Oswald's personal life in Russia, the novelty of having an American around was fun for everyone at first. At first, it was super cool to have this guy because you could ask him anything you wanted to know about America. But that soon wore off, and he became just another worker. And that, you know, lessening of the luster, that worked both ways. Once Oswald was no longer a local celebrity the allure of the Soviet Union disappeared. Mm, because what? Uh, <laughs> no way. Yeah. He quickly found that life in the Soviet Union as just a regular fucking worker was harsh, boring, and gray. It fucking sucked. So I don't get to be the leader? <laughs> what? Well, he wanted to... He just thought he was going to be like some revolutionary... I don't know what the hell he thought he was going to be, but n no, I mean, you get assigned a place... I, understand, I know that there's beauty and love and friendship in all areas of the world and all places that you work and live, but Lee Harvey Oswald came from America. So going from America, we, it's pretty cush here. Yeah. He didn't have to go to school. He's been saying, I don't want to go to school his whole life, and now he's forced to work in a factory. And, I mean, you know, it's it's very difficult out there. You are, well, well at first... You, I, I think he does maybe think his friends are real. He's probably starting to realize just how observed he is, how much he kind of is in this little fucking fishbowl. And that's very intense way to live. Well, Lee Harvey Oswald thought that being a defector, especially a military defector, was going to make him special. You know, and furthermore, he, he grossly misunderstood what Russians think of Americans. <laughs> yes, grossly misunderstood. Well, he thought that he would be exalted for it. Like he thought that he would be welcomed as a hero uh, in the Soviet Union, and he would stay a hero in the Soviet Union. And he also grossly misunderstood the fucking Soviet Union because he thought that that it was going to be a classless Marxist society. He thought that this was fucking paradise. Oh yeah. But as Oswald's Russian skills got better, he started to see how Russia actually worked, or at least how the Soviet Union actually worked. He found that there was absolutely a class system here. There was the privileged communist class at the top and the compliant worker class at the bottom. And never the twain shall meet. And Lee Harvey Oswald was starting to see exactly what a life in the worker class was looking like. So, realizing that he was just as inconsequential in the USSR as he had been in the United States, and realizing that his future in the Soviet Union was just going to be cold and fucking miserable, he decided, United States, lesser of two evils. Let's go back. I want to go home. Gotta go back. Where's, <laughs> I want to go back. Where's he going? He's going? I am not a Marxist. <laughs> You're not? I am an American. All I right. want my citizenship back. 
and I want it right now. <laughs> Mr. Harvey, we will give your citizenship back to you if you can answer one question, knock, knock. <laughs> if I have to do with this intrusion one more time, yep. I'm the- sitting in my home alone and I don't need some random people. Knocking on my door! It's not, we are to get, there's no door. It's a, it's a cerebral joke. You are not invited in my home. I'm, we're not even in your home. However, Oswald did not come home alone. When he arrived back in America, two years after leaving, he came back with a wife and a child. Wait, hold nice. on a second. When did that happen? <laughs> 19-year-old Marina Prusakova was not at all impressed with Oswald's Russian skills, which were rudimentary at best. But she liked him because he was polite and he was foreign. And she thought that an American would treat her better than a Russian. USA, USA, USA. Could not and have been is, more wrong. It sucks. <laughs> um, this was, I, I think this is also from season three of 90 Day Fiance. Oh. <laughs> Same thing happens. Well, he proposed after a month of dating, and the two were married on April 30th, 1961, about a year after Oswald got to the USSR. And from the beginning, the marriage was absolutely fucking awful. He didn't allow her to wear makeup, and he was obsessed with keeping her figure ultra-thin and boyish. Hmm. He told her that he found larger women repulsive because he said there was, quote, too much of them. But he loved her because he could, quote, feel all their bones. That's just a nothing I treasure more in a woman than feeling. Each one of them bones. I mean, it's good to have bones, uh, so that's a positive. Natalie and I spent hours. I said, I count each bone I can dig my my digits into. Yeah? At what point does she slap you in the face because uh, you're being disgusted? <laughs> she lets me get my druthers. Well, despite comments like these that Marina did not enjoy, she still got pregnant. And the two of them applied for re-entry into the United States, where Oswald flatly denied that he had ever renounced his American citizenship. No. Me? No. Me? Yeah, I did that? Yeah, weren't you Who? just... Actually, it's so Me? funny you say Lee Harvey Oswald. Weren't you just in here a month ago screaming about how you defected? As a matter of fact, you threw your passport on this desk, and I remember that. No, that must have been somebody else, for as you can see, I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> And so, on January 26, 1962, the Oswalds got their exit visas. As far as why the Russians let them go, they just wanted Oswald out of there. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's, more of a, it's more like a... Out of here! Yeah, I think it's more of like, get the fuck out, Visa. Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of here! I mean, he was a useless man at best. You know, at best, a drain on society. And Marina didn't really have much to offer the state either, so they let him and his wife go. Meanwhile, Oswald was getting weirder. When Marina gave birth, her body produced too much breast milk. So Oswald offered to suckle it out himself. He's a husband. <laughs> now Marina went along with it, but she mm-hmm. was surprised and somewhat disgusted that he swallowed every drop when she assumed he was going to spit it into a bucket. He's not a sommelier. Hey, I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's he going to do? He's going to swish it around a glass? See the legs on it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you fucking... You, you, you drink it. I honestly think it would be more insulting to spit it out. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I am feeling a, a level of 
contradict. I, I don't know what's more polite in that situation. I think just suckle on your wife's breast. This is the food for I, your child. It's coming out of your wife's beautiful breast. You're sucking it in your mouth. I think if you go bleh, <laughs> spit it out. Oh, like that milk isn't good enough for your child. It's not good enough for you. It's not good enough for your fucking. Your, but oh, but it's fine. Why did for they your just, child? Why did they just bottle it? There's a middle ground here. I think the middle. Go- well, I don't. <laughs> Just put it in a bottle. Well, I think I uh, will accept the middle ground. Like the USSR doesn't have breast pumps. Just use. They don't have a funnel. There's no funnel <laughs> at, the, at the place where he works. Fucking in the USSR, breast pumps you. We know this. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely there's a middle ground here. I mean, the middle ground is that you maybe suckle out a little bit. You're like, mm, I swallowed a little bit. Mm, that's kind of that's kind of tasty. Oh man, I'm not really hungry right now though. It's oh, so I better spit all this out. I Me mean, be nice. You're JFK. You're years before you're about to be shot by a random man. You're like, I wonder what my assassin's doing right now. Just JFK used to suck the cum out of whatever woman ended up in the Oval's office and spit it into the asshole of his brother. All right, now I know that's controversial to say, and not a lot of it's true. But he, uh, that's our president. All right, so we can't look down on his actions just because it involves breast milk. (laughs) All right. And so, at the age of 22, two years before the assassination of John F. Kennedy, Lee Harvey Oswald returned to the United States with a wife and child, fully expecting a media firestorm upon his return. Now, in Lee's mind, he'd spent two years in the mysterious Soviet Union, and everyone would want to know exactly what he'd been up to and what it was like. But when he arrived... After a nine-day boat trip, yeah, uh huh, fucking Uh. no one showed up. No one, not a single member of the press. And he was, his brother said that he was legitimately shocked and hurt. Devastated. Okay, can can I ask this question? Why, in his mind, would they show up at all? Because he's a great man. He's a great man. Well, listen, what he thought, what he thought was that number one, I live a life of great adventure. My life is incredibly interesting. Two, America is so fascinated with Russia and the inner workings of Russia. Right. I, intrepid explorer from America, faked giving up my American citizenship Ah. in order to go to another country and observe. And I was the boots on the ground to really tell the story of the USSR. And almost how dare you for not being so concerned or so obsessed well, with my own story about and the information that I now have. But my question is, did he like reach out to USA Today and just be like, coming home, just, you know, uh, reach out to the New no. York Post? Like, no. so, no, he just assumed. So this is, but this is psychotic because mm-hmm. how would the press even know that he was coming home if he didn't shoot him a telegram? I'm like, I just don't understand why he thought that anyone would care when he's not actively seeking press. I don't know if it's psychotic. It's just egotistical. Like he it's just narcissistic. It's narcissistic. Narcissism. Yeah, but yeah. even yeah. a narcissist like BTK will shoot him a letter every now and again and just be like, just so you know, <laughs> that's how I'm he got around. Caught. That's technically just how <laughs> BTK got caught. It's because he got lazy and did the it. email. <laughs> now, Lee Harvey Oswald did get a visit from the FBI. But the CIA never debriefed him because the FBI had already taken care of it. And in the CIA's estimation, someone as inconsequential as Lee Harvey Oswald didn't merit two passes. There's wiggity shit in there, though, Marcus. He might have been debriefed by a CIA guy. We don't 
He no, m- like, and that's one have. thing that the CIA did really well during this time period was just destroy objective reality. They would burn records all the time, yes. purposefully so. They liked creating a lot of confusion. So there was one, I guess, some mention of some guy swinging by his house, but they go way out of their way to say, oh, we never visited him. We never visited him, which is also very strange because, like, actually... You should have. You probably should have for yeah. all of the shit that he did. I know the FBI technically, I guess that is what they handle. Their jobs are to handle domestic terrorism or, or possible espionage. But I don't know. Suppose hands back, to God. I don't know what they're supposed to do. Hands to God 2019. Hindsight yep. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the FBI agent who interviewed Oswald said that he was rigid, arrogant, cold, and insolent. And when they asked him why he went to Russia, he got white around the lips, tensed up, and said... I do not care to relive the past. You don't do that. Only fools care about the past. <laughs> when an FBI director, when an FBI agent calls you rigid, it's not like they're out singing show tunes. <laughs> like, you have to be notably rigid for an FBI to be like, What are you talking about? J. Edgar Hoover was actively coming in women's panties during this entire time period. He was the freakiest freaked. Whoever freaked. But he was so unfreaky because he had to overcompensate for the freaky. That's true. Well, it was around this time that Oswald started beating Marina. She was understandably angry about the FBI coming around to poke their nose into her life, and possibly the CIA as well, but Oswald responded by slapping her in the face and telling her he'd kill her if she told anyone, and that was just the fucking beginning. Now, at this time, they were living with Lee's brother, Robert. But since Oswald was back in the States, Mother Marguerite just couldn't stay away. Uh Uh-oh. She demanded that they move into her one-bedroom apartment in Fort Worth, Texas. And since they had nowhere else to go, they complied. Fuck, moving in with your mother into a one-bedroom apartment with a new wife who does not speak English and a new baby. With any luck, we'll sell this as a screenplay. <laughs> yep. it's, it is like 8.30 the- p.m. on CBS. Please <laughs> <Yes>. place. <laughs> now, not surprisingly, Marguerite picked right back up where she left off, telling her son that his failing marriage, not his fault. None of it's his fault. She even defended him beating his wife by saying, quote, There may be times when a woman needs to have a black eye. Yeah, if she's in the UFC. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just at every turn, this man is being made worse by this woman. I just watched the Roy uh, Cohn documentary, Mm -hmm. and he had a mother very similar. Really? Where the mom just loved everything he did. He could do no wrong. It just, it's such... Be careful not to make a sociopath. (laughs) It's hard because then the kid has to make it. You know what I mean? Because like, but does yes, the kid have the, to the make it? The story of Tiger Woods. The story of Tiger Woods would be a tragedy if, because you know, they say that Tiger Woods' father. I guess he like tied the golf club to his baby hands to get him to learn to do it. But if he didn't become Tiger Woods, he's like now that's an inspiring story. If he just became a guy who killed a bunch of people, oh, it's abuse. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I mean, I guess the, the Jackson I 5. I mean, I consider it abuse either way. I think we're maligning I mean, probably you know, an innocent man and Tiger Woods' dad. But uh, it, like the Jackson family. Yeah. That's what it's uh, That's abuse. To. That was abuse. Yeah. yeah. It was abuse to Jermaine. To Michael, it was training. <laughs> you are... Free speech jail still exists, you know. <laughs> no! <laughs> 
Well, Lee made things even worse for Marina by forbidding her to learn English because, as he said, if she stopped speaking Russian, he would lose what little grasp he had on the language. And there was always a chance they might go back. From Marina's perspective, Lee changed drastically after returning to America. He was more irritable, more of a recluse, and even other Russian immigrants who befriended Marina could see that he was a mental case. So Lee Harvey Oswald, at his most charming, was in the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yes. As a metal, Technically, yes. As a sheet <sighs> worker in a TV factory. Yikes. That was That's him at his he, best. That was him at his peak. And I think a part of it was he had his Russian dream spoiled, as according to Historic Diary. We th- he had his Russian dream spoiled. He then got nothing out of it. Because then he wasn't made a folklore hero in America for seeing like through the Iron Curtain and coming back. Like, he didn't see any of that shit. So now he's living in a full, he's living in full realization of his mediocrity. Right. Single apartment with his mom and wife with a kid in Fort Worth, Texas. Yep. It's called an assassin for, it's called a recipe for an assassin. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was one Russian immigrant, however, who decided to befriend Lee Harvey Oswald. His name was George de Morenschild. And even though he thrived on being provocative, just like Oswald did, George was more of a good-natured troll. If he was around right-wingers, he'd talk about how much he loved communism. If he was around leftists, he'd advocate for fascism. And in a move that wasn't so good-natured, if he knew someone particularly hated Hitler, he would greet them with a hearty, Heil Hitler. But this guy also might have been connected to the CIA and he might have been what is called an asset. Like he wasn't an agent. He's one of the weird ass collection of side characters that the CIA likes to build up because this guy also had connections to the Bushes. He had connections to the, I want to say the Vanderbilts or some other big old, and the Bouviers. He also had connections very weirdly to the Bouviers, Jackie, uh, Jackie O's parents. So, he was weirdly deeply connected to this world that he, he might have been a minder for Lee Harvey Oswald on behalf of the CIA, where it's, which is why he also acted in these kind of extravagant ways because the CIA love people that bring a dust cloud, pig pen like mm-hmm. cloud of chaos with them everywhere they go. I like what you've done there. We're going to have to cut those lyrics out of It's a Small World, <laughs> but I think that you're making some solid points. Well, yeah, George was a wacky guy. I mean, he'd sometimes... By, by what standards? By anyone's standards. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he'd show up to parties uninvited, wearing only pants, you know, no that's shirt, no shirt. wacky. That's, that's, I guess that's, it, it's wacky. There's a, there's, a wackiness, there's a wackiness about it. In a terrifying so, kind of way where now <laughs> I have to go confront the man who just showed, at the par- showed up at the party with no shirt on, no shoes on, just wearing pants and ask him to leave nicely. We've had this conversation inside stories before about the 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 what is wacky? You know what I mean, <laughs> to me, wacky denotes it is fun Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wacky is dangerously manic. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was later discovered that uh, that George, they're quite manic depressive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did have signs of manic behavior. I mean, him and his wife would just walk around town wearing bathing suits, even in winter. Even in cold weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, it was seen as very charming. Okay. Hey, they're characters. They're characters. Yeah. All right. Now, George had an interesting perspective on Oswald because he was just about the only friend Oswald had. He said that all Oswald wanted was for people to be interested in him. And if you showed him interest, then he would blossom. 
But nobody wanted to show Oswald interest because Oswald was a mean, contrarian, wife-beating piece of shit. And everybody knew it. And even though he was obviously beating Marina, nobody said or did anything about it because they didn't want to lose her to a relocation. They thought if we call the cops, if we approach Lee, he's either going to make it worse or he's just going to take her somewhere else. Mm. Remember, this is 1962. Right. You know, shit wasn't shit was pretty bad when it came to domestic abuse. Back yeah, then. man. The cops, I guess they would just show up and tell you to move it along. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Lee had gotten a job at the Jaggers Chili Stovall Company, <laughs> which was a graphic design and printing outfit. Oh. Yeah, they did work for the military, even though Oswald never worked on the military side of things. What he did get out of this job, though, was enough of an influence to create an imaginary fantasy life about himself <gasps> as a spy. A spy. Because <laughs> while he wasn't doing anything secret, people were doing secret stuff all around him, and it looked super cool. That's cool. And this flame was even further fueled by Oswald's new obsession with the spy novels of Ian Fleming, creator of James Bond. So Oswald used the equipment at Jaggers to make poorly constructed fake IDs for himself using the name Alec Hedell and he rented post office boxes under this assumed name to further build out his fantasy life. And to compare it to another serial killer, like we talked before, a very com- very similar to John Wayne Gacy. Again, leading a side life, creating a whole separate persona for himself where he lived out this kind of fantasy world. Where Now I wonder what... I, you know, I don't want to go as far as to saying like what he'd be like diagnosed with, but I wonder if he sat with a psychiatrist or a therapist, what they would say about the way he viewed himself and why he had to create these like fake fantasy worlds to add drama to every single thing that he did. I wonder what the hell that is. I guess it's it's some form of bipolarism. Like maybe I don't know. No, nah, I would say it's more like narcissistic personality disorder. He'd probably just be on the show Big Brother. Meanwhile, the physical violence against Marina was getting worse. Whereas before he would slap her, he was now full-on punching her with his fist, grabbing her by the throat, and raping her whenever he wanted sex. Then came Operation Midnight Ride. Is this an operation he made up? (laughs) Absolutely not, no. No. Put together by right-wing evangelist Billy James Hargis and right-wing extremist General Edwin Walker... Operation Midnight Ride was a five-week tour around Texas that had the purpose of fighting communism. Now, I don't know much about Billy Hargis, but General Edwin Walker was a particularly virulent piece of right-wing shit. Mm. Besides just being an ardent anti-communist, Walker was also an extreme segregationist who enjoyed the support of such historical embarrassments as Senator Strom Thurmond and George Lincoln Rockwell, leader of the American Nazi Party. I do know one thing about Billy Hargis. He used to rub Twinkies all over his body and let his dogs lick him off. If I can fill it in, can I just fill it in the information then, Marcus? If you're not going to give me anything, I'm going to go with this guy. He's a Twinkie fucker, and he lets dogs just lick it off. Yeah, I heard he used to go into construction workers' porter potties and take out full logs and smoke them like cigars. <laughs> I don't know. Just I don't know. Why not? Who gives a shit? Sure. Fuck this guy. He can go fuck himself. Well, in 1962... General Walker organized a small army to prevent the desegregation of the University of Mississippi. There, his men used a high-pressure hose from a stolen fire truck to assault U.S. Marshals, and a journalist was shot in the back and killed in the melee. Jesus. 
And in Dallas, General Edwin Walker had found perfect home territory because Dallas in the early 60s was the location of some of the most hard-right extremists with actual power in the entire United States. Ironically enough, though, General Edwin Walker was one of John F. Kennedy's biggest critics in Dallas and even set up his own home as a sort of headquarters for anti-Kennedy sentiment in the state of Texas. And like many on the hard right who tend to overcompensate, General Walker was also closeted and had quite a few gay lovers in and around Dallas. All Lee Harvey Oswald knew, though, was that General Walker had all the makings of a fascist. And if there's one thing that gets a communist blood boiling, it's a goddamn fascist. Yeah! We can all agree on something. I'm going to take off this brown paper bag that is my clothes and I'm going to fight fascism <laughs> as soon as I wake up from my nap from working at the TV factory. This I, is the point of the show where I have to say I'm in agreement with Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, man. I mean, there was a reason why we teamed up with the Soviets to fight the fucking Nazis. <laughs> Everyone hates a fascist. Hey, man, can we actually, um, for, can we take that sentence and isolate it? And the, this is where I agree with Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> can we get that and just, just blast it from, from car radios? <laughs> And as a result of General Walker's rising profile, he became the first man to come into the sights of Lee Harvey Oswald's sniper rifle. And that's where we'll pick back up for part two of JFK. Oh my God, awesome. Well, this series is starting off just as amazing as I thought and hoped it would. Thank you. Lee Harvey Oswald, the man who was such a failure, he couldn't even be a communist. (laughs) (laughs) But we are going to cover the rest of Lee Harvey Oswald's stupid short life next week. Then we're going to get deeper, 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 deeper into the details of the actual assassination of JFK. We're going to learn a little bit about him. And then we're going to do our best to uh, attempt to cover as many of the conspiracy theories around JFK as much as humanly possible. This is a little bit similar to our Jack the Ripper series. Yes. And we're going to try to do it without succumbing to, as Henry said, the word salad of most JFK conspiracy theories. Because they like to just throw out names and they don't really tell you who these people are or what they do. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to make it as a... I guess as understandable as it possibly can be. All I know is... It's going to be difficult. All I know is John F. Kennedy was killed by Jack the Ripper, evidently. I don't know. I just heard those two names, and I'm just putting... Why not? Uh, Thank you all so much for listening, and welcome, everyone, to our first exclusive show on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Thank you all so much for your support throughout this transition. We put our big boy caps on, and we've got this done. I want to thank everyone who works at our company. You guys all did such a wonderful job. It's been a... a, uh, it's it's been it's been a a labor of love. Yeah. So thank you all so much for all of your support. And yeah, keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. We have Abling and Top Pat, Page Seven, Whizbrew, Movie Signs of the Mad. You just go down the list, and you will have all of your uh, kind of fun for your wrestling needs. Uh, no Dogs in Space, the music show. Of course, if you if you want to check out No Dogs in Space, we just finished our four part series on the Stooges, so all of those episodes are out there. If you want to go binge the first series, and we got more stuff coming soon. The Stooges, it's the so band good. that may not have been without Vietnam. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it's I mean, such listen, a good if show. you want to know more about that statement, we go into it in fucking in detail. We are also coming to you live all throughout April. We got 19 cities in 20 days. Yes. Right? Is that is it 19 shows? 19 shows 19. in 30 days. 
shit. <laughs> we'll have to, wherever <laughs> it says we will be, we will be there. We have to be we contractually. Will, yes. We will be there. Uh, but you, So we're looking at y'all. Fucking come see our asses. We're going to have so much fun. Excited for our new show. Come see us. Uh, Lubbock, looking at you. Yeah. How's looking Lubbock at doing? Looking in Vegas. Uh, how's our boys get in- some more. How's Lubbock what? doing so far now? What do we got, Marcus? What, That's what's all right. The, doing better in Vegas. It could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. Doing better than Vegas. Put that on the sign entering Lubbock. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. So, guys, come out and see us. Get so excited to, to do this new show. So excited to do this new show. So excited that you guys see the book. We have been busy beavers. Yeah. The last couple of years, haven't we, boys? We absolutely have. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, we still got the fucking book coming out in yeah. April. So, you know, if you haven't uh, pre-ordered the book yet, you know, go on out and pre-order it. It's going to be well worth your fucking money. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, 300 pages. It's full of beautiful illustrations. It's a great fucking hardcover. Uh, and you can get, if you want a, an autographed copy and you can't come out to the live show, you can get those on uh, barnesandnoble.com. Those are for yep. sale out there. So if you want to get one of those for yourself or as a gift for a loved one uh those are available but you know if you want to support your uh, local independent bookseller you can also pre-order them uh you can also pre-order a copy of your book uh from them no matter who you like to buy books from absolutely it's available everywhere but yeah if you pre-order it it really helps us uh in those first couple of weeks yes. it's a great way to support so far the numbers have been great thank you all so much for uh, for pre-ordering and yes support your local bookstores and strangely enough as we learned throughout this process Barnes and Noble is now an independent bookseller <laughs> yep. because that is the world that Amazon has created yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. As far as the publishers are concerned, yeah, Barnes yeah. and Noble is oh, uh, independent now. What We're just a bunch time. of horny, hungry beavers working on our dams, and I hope you can come by and see what our log's been doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come. <laughs> Gaze upon our logs. All right, they Come know they, they know what logs. They know what we look like. All right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. We always appreciate you. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Geen. Magustalations, everyone. Hail me. And I guess uh, big ups to Vietnam for happening. <laughs> musically, musically, exciting. Happy, happy that it happened. I guess. Yeah, it really. It really would be completely different. It would be. I mean, but you know, still, you still got like you know Bob Dylan. We just all be listening to folk still. Oh, I love folk. Yeah. 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 Fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Might still have metal. Sabbath. Yeah, Sabbath would still yeah, be Yeah, Sabbath, because yeah. I came from the UK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I came from the UK. So, but I, I would say the UK might have just overtaken us. I don't know. I can see people Whoa. looking right now at their episode be like, they just closed up. How is there another hour of this show? <laughs> oh, it's just us being like, oh, what band would be around? Dio. Dio, I think, would still be here. Uh, would Motley Crue be? Mo- Motley Crue might still be here. No, Motley Crue wouldn't be here. Yeah. No, no, no. They wouldn't be. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up because I have to shit. <laughs> <laughs>
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.